Welcome back to another episode of Sweat and Bullets, a fantasy football podcast. I am your host, DFP Encounter. With me, as always, is Jacob Sanderson. How are you doing tonight, Jacob? This is great, man. I have always thought that the NFL Scouting Combine is the official start of Dynasty season, which is a pretty long season because it goes from the Combine to the Super Bowl. So it's basically the entire football season. But uh, entire, this is it. The entire I mean, calendar year, not just the entire football season. We're ready to go. I spent all of my day today in class updating a google sheet inputting everybody's height their weight their birth score their speed score copying in production it's exciting these are the these are the times that we that we live for as dynasty grinders you should probably not be spending all day doing that there's like formulas you can use to like pull that shit in you don't have to type no, you got it no, you just got to hand enter it. That's how you feel. You get your hand. Why don't you just keep trapping the loose leaf? <laughs> yeah, I should. <laughs> Actually, I, this is a funny story. I, I had to, um, we had an assignment for civil procedure uh, where we had to just go to court for like a couple hours, just watch court, and then just like type up a little summary of whatever we saw. And, uh, and yeah, I haven't like worn a suit since the summer when I was working. So all my suits are just like decrepit and like sad and need to be dry cleaned. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what am I going to wear? Because I had this gala one night and I had this assignment. And I was like, I have to wear two suits this week. And then I was like, well, I'll just do it on the same day. But I don't want to like lug a backpack around and everything like all day between the gala. So I just like went to court and obviously you can't bring your laptop. I couldn't bring it anyways because I had to go to this gala. And I was like, what can I bring? Because I can't just like walk around with like a big book to the gala. So I just brought like a little sheet of loose leaf that I like folded. And then I just like wrote my notes on this like sad, like crumpled up piece of loose leaf <laughs> in the back corner, folded it up, kept it with me and typed it up when we got home. Uh, and that's, that's me at the combine. I'm just in the back row with my hand timer stopwatch, my loose leaf. <laughs> I'm I'm doing long division to calculate everybody's speed score as it comes in. Naturally, Great. naturally. <laughs> yeah. What did uh, What did you think was the most interesting aspect of the combine? By the way, uh, watching Darnell Washington push a sled as though absolutely, absolutely, no it was. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most glorious thing I've seen ever. Like I like watching DK Metcalf run the forty was like one of my highlights of my life at that point in time. <laughs> watching Darnell Mooney push the push the sled was Darnell Mooney or Dar Darnell Mo Darnell fucking Mooney. My mistake. Darnell <laughs> Washington. Have you ever Darnell Mooney is like five foot seven, one hundred and twenty pounds. The sled would push him. <laughs> the sled Darnell, is basically Dar pushing Michael Meyer. Like Darnell Mooney, if he tried to push that sled, it would be like all of the people before King Arthur trying to pull Excalibur out of the stone. Like the sled would just <laughs> sit there. He would just put his hands on it and it wouldn't go anywhere. Darnell fucking Mooney. I've made that mistake so many times, like almost like typing out Darnell Washington. I'm like, Darnell fucking Mooney. And I'm like, oh my God, Darnell fucking Washington. Of course. Darnell. Yeah, I've been calling him Daddy Darnell. That makes sense. The I dude, think like, at one point... It, it, listeners, if you if you have not seen Darnell Washington push the sled, you need you need to see it. Like there's a clip of him pushing the sled, and then another dude whose name I forget, and then Michael Meyer, and it's Will hilarious. Well, yeah, <laughs> Will Mallory or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like it He's is absolutely player. hilarious. Like you like 
Darnell goes first, and you're like, oh, yeah, dude, big dude, athletic, pushing the sled, of course. Like, he could do that. I could never do that. He could do that. And then you, like, see the next guy, and you're like, wait, that's, like, a finely tuned athlete, too, who's, like, 250 pounds of solid muscle. And he can't even move the sled hardly. <laughs> yeah, that was the best part. Um, it was fun watching Devin. Uh, is, it, is it a chain or a chain? Is what? Is it Devin's last name? Is it pronounced a chain or a chain? Oh, I don't the know. The running back, the very fast running back. I, I just call him the very fast running back. <laughs> okay, I'm going with a chain because it's cooler. Um, that is cooler. Let's go with that. I've been, I mean, I've been looking forward to his 40 for like two years. It's kind of crazy that that it was like almost underwhelming, even though he ran a 4-3-2, which is like insane for my fat ass to be like sitting here. I probably can like run better than a 5-3, and I'm like, nah, I'm kind of underwhelmed by that 4-3-2. Um, well, like, why does it matter? He's terrible, so who cares? That's no, you're gonna, you're, you will retract on that take. <laughs> no, I mean, he's the guy who's like 180 it, pounds. Are we talking about the same guy? Is did, like does his is his weight gonna just completely rule him out of any sort of grade? Because I mean he's probably gonna get draft capital. His production profile is phenomenal. Yeah, no, he's he's not gonna be a thing. Sorry. Well, this will be a fight coming later, but I don't think we have time to get to Devin Aching today. But he's good. I mean, there's uh, he's small, but that's the only thing you can have against him. He's small. That, that's, that's a it. pretty major thing to have against him when he's only 180. Is he 185 or 188? He's, he is 188. He is 5'8", 188. So, like, your success cases here are Darren Sproles, and that's the list. Success case is Devin Aching. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be going ahead to pass. And you know what? You know what? Let me take it back. He could be Philip Lindsay. Well, Philip Lindsay didn't get drafted in round two. No, no, he did not. He didn't get drafted at all because guys who are 188 don't get drafted. Okay, do you want to take a bet right now on Devin A. Chain over under pick 64 and a half? No, because people are obviously dumb and are going to draft him, but they shouldn't because they shouldn't. Oh, because you have so much. No, this is, this is, that's actually a horrible take. Like, I think from a fantasy perspective, um, there's obviously a lot of reason to worry about whether Devin A. Chain is going to get the type of volume that we need at 188 pounds, but no, teams should draft him. He's a phenomenal running back. Teams should draft him and use him, and they should be open-minded about using a 188-pound running back who's done nothing but provide consistent plus efficiency on high volume throughout his college career. There's a chance There's that I don't have everyone. He cannot. There's a chance I don't have everyone in my database, but as of right now, I have um, one, two, three, four, five players less than 190 pounds being drafted. Yeah, it does not happen often. We don't get players like Devin A. Chain often. But you said he sucks, and that's just an unreasonable take. Yeah, I mean, he's like Dexter McCluster, but slightly better. Oh, my God. All right. We're off the... He's, he's like Darren Sproul, <laughs> but probably not as good. <laughs> he's like LaRod Allen. This is why you need to watch football. <laughs> You need to. No, you, don't. you cannot. You can't. You cannot give these takes on what a player is without watching him take forty-one carries in a single game in the SEC, withstand a beating repeatedly, and continue to churn through defenders like they're Swiss cheese. Didn't Justin Jackson here. do something like that? Yeah, and Justin Jackson's good and has been forever underutilized. Justin Jackson is good. Yes. If you like, if you want to get if you want to come here on this side of the soapbox and criticize NFL teams for refusing to use talented running backs 
You're welcome anytime. But if you're just going to say that they suck, instead of pointing the blame at the unimaginative GMs and coaches who wind up leading them to fantasy failure, I have no time for that. That's offensive. Here, it's anti-labor. Here, here's my question for you. If Devin A. Chain's size uh, is not prohibitive at all, it's all good. Like, it doesn't matter. Then... And, and like, is it is it only is he only good because he's fast? Is that the thing? Like, if if he was slow but was like getting twenty, how many carries? Did you say forty one carries per game, and he was <laughs> he had forty one carries in a game. He had forty one carries per, per in game. game. If he was yeah, getting forty one carries per game, but he was slow, would you? And, and he was going to get you know, say round three draft capital. Would you still be into Devin Chain, or is it only because he's fast? It's because he's a good rusher. Okay. And part of him, part of why he's a good rusher is that he's fast. I mean, that's one of the tools in his toolbox. I imagine he would not be as good if he was slower. He'd probably be better if he was bigger. Probably. But as he is, he's pretty darn good. And he's also a really good receiver. It's just like if we're going to dismiss or not dismiss this player for being not an appropriate physical specimen – then how on the flip side do people rush out to best case scenario on physical specimens like say Anthony Richardson who actually isn't good? Yeah, I mean we're going to talk about that. Uh, I shouldn't even brought up a chain on the combine. We we're supposed to not. We we're supposed to start in a completely different order. <laughs> the show sheet is Matt's merely a guide. The, the, the show sheet <laughs> is merely a guide. This is it, you know what we just went ten minutes off script. Now we're going to be ten minutes over an hour. Sorry, Matt. Hashtag sorry, Matt. Okay, we're getting this back on the rails. We'll come back to Anthony Richardson. We won't come back to Devin A. Chain on this episode. We definitely will on future episodes. We don't need to because um, he doesn't matter. He, we need to strike him from the record. Is that what they say in, in law terms? Strike it from sometimes. the record? Well, I not think that's usually a legitimate football prospects, but that is like a phrase that's used sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, strike yeah we'll strike Devin a. Chain, Devin a. Chain from the record because he's just not that good and it doesn't matter. <laughs> Why are you... You could be taken more seriously if you like calibrated your statements better. Like if you just said things like, I'm not interested in making that fantasy bet because he's small and because it's an outlier bet, I would be like, yeah, I agree. But instead you have to say stupid, ignoramus things like he's not good. And then I have to waste seven minutes of people's time trying well, to clarify like, your statement so that it's actionable so that people don't get just confused like, people don't look at this player and think that he sucks people don't devalue his worth as a human being because he's small i'm certain he's a very nice man and uh is not to be this i'm not certain of that he might he might be a terrible person when i am certain he's a terrible he's person you're suggesting to the masses to draft a small un useless fantasy running back because he isn't good and he's a bad person on top of it all you're, you are really setting us off the rails tonight. I'm just I'm just pro speaking to what we know. That's all. That's all. I'm just trying to be accurate. All what right. We know is we talk about four fantasy points. Oh, we... All right. Hi. Right, this is we just we just kicked Drew out of the streamyard. All right. The next thing we're going to talk about after we got completely derailed, um, because Drew is the Randy Newman of fantasy assets, hating on short people, uh, is we're going to talk about some quarterbacks who got some money today. And this one I think Drew and I agree on. The first quarterback who got a bag, so to speak, was Derek Carr. Derek Carr got a contract 
that it's essentially a two-year fully guaranteed or close to fully guaranteed contract up to four years, 150 million total. We've now brought Drew back into the stream after his little timeout. Uh, Drew, is, is this the best move? Does this give the Saints a chance to win the NFC South and I don't um, know, do whatever else they want to do with that? The only, the only thing that I would say about this is that the New Orleans Saints are a bunch of idiots and they deserve mediocrity for the rest of their lives. They they will they they will mid off with all the other teams who signed Derek Carr esque quarterbacks, and it's gonna be terrible. And I am sorry to New Orleans Saints fans across the globe, but Derek Carr in that good. And I am I allowed to say that? Like, can I still say things like he's not good? Because I said yeah, Devin was not this good, time. and then I got yeah, kicked off the show. One, yeah, this one's true. You can call players aren't good, not good. <laughs> <laughs> Don't come at call station Tony Pollard. So I, I tweeted earlier, actually, when I saw the news, I was like, what a bunch of idiots. That was my first thought. And my second thought, my, my second thought was simply, what would be a ridiculous thing to do that would actually still be better than this? And the most ridiculous thing I could come up with was drafting Will Levis 101 in the NFL draft. In the NFL draft, not in, not in rookie draft. In the NFL draft, if the New Orleans Saints went out, they sold the farm to move up to 101, Drafted Will Levis, I would like that more than I would like them signing Derek Carr, which is to say I don't like them signing Derek Carr. I think that was a terrible decision. Uh, uh, every level of the organization has uh, misfired in this particular instance, and uh, it's just awful. Yeah, I mean, with the with the market as it is, like, and it's entirely a function of moral hazard, right? Like, it's, it's just GMs and coaches making decisions based on – trying to keep their own job security um, versus trying to win the Super Bowl. And it, it's created a situation where like a quarterback of Derek Carr's caliber just probably can never win the Super Bowl, which I don't think is like actually true about Derek Carr inherently. I think that it's just true in the market that we're at where I, I frankly don't understand at all. Actually the quarterback, like the view, I suppose it's just out of a state of job preservation and risk aversion but like the fact that a team isn't willing to sign lamar jackson an actually incredible quarterback to a fully guaranteed contract because that's too risky but a team is willing to still pay 37 and a half million dollars to Derek carr who i mean there's no risk because there's no reward like you have a zero percent chance of winning the super bowl right zero percent chance you just you're just you've the Saints' next realistic chance to compete for the Super Bowl is now 2025, which they won't do because they'll be picking in the mid-teens again or probably not picking at all because they'll probably trade more future first-round picks for some other guy after they restructure half the roster. But, like, it's just pointless. I don't understand. Like, like, So because of that, right, there seems to be this cap where people were outraged at the Deshaun Watson contract and nobody wants to offer fully guaranteed contracts even for the elite quarterbacks. And then you have people willing to pay very mediocre quarterbacks between 35 and 40 million. Like, how are you ever going to win? If you roster Derek Carr, you're competing against 10 to 12 teams at any given time that are paying a quarterback a rookie contract. And those quarterbacks might be about as good as yours, maybe slightly worse, maybe even a lot better. And then you're also competing against teams that are paying their quarterbacks only about 10 to $15 million more than yours who are substantially better than your quarterback. So the only way you can build a roster around that basically is you have to hit on all of your rookie picks 
and you probably need to have extra rookie picks so that you're creating so much surplus value at other positions where you're basically getting a bunch of 20 and $25 million players that you're paying five and $10 million for that you can make up for having a Derek Carr, which the saints can't do because they don't have any draft picks because they continually trade away their draft picks to trade up in the draft <laughs> and draft players that they then have to re-sign to restructure contracts. Right. And this brings me to Seattle. My take is that the Seattle Geno Smith uh, signing is substantially better than the Derek Carr signing. And I've seen some people group it in the same way. I think it's substantially better for three reasons. One is that Geno Smith's 2022 was just uncontroversially, it was just better than any season of Derek Carr's career. Uh, we can quibble about whether that season was like good enough to win a Super Bowl or whether it's ever going to be repeatable. But like Geno Smith has displayed a ceiling that is better than the ceiling that uh, Derek Carr has displayed. It's also basically just one guaranteed year versus Carr is closer to two. So if Geno Smith doesn't work out this year, no harm, no foul. They're probably not winning the Super Bowl this year with anybody. So you're not sacrificing as much long term. And then the big thing is Seattle got that surplus draft value from the Russell Wilson trade, right? You get the extra first round picks out of that trade. They hit on a guy like Tariq Woolen in this year's draft in a major way. Seattle has the potential of building a roster full of guys producing surplus value on rookie quarter contracts where you're generating so much surplus value elsewhere that it's almost like you're paying Gino Smith $10, $15 million effectively if you're able to generate that surplus value elsewhere. So I think it's possible. I don't think that Seattle's like likely to win a Super Bowl or anything, but I think it's more financially plausible to see how it happens about the Saints. What do you think about it with Gino? I think, <clears throat> I think it's, yeah, you're right. It's better than the Saints from a they have actual assets standpoint <laughs> that's, that's certainly a step up but it's still like i wouldn't have paid geno smith i don't think in a, in a vacuum i don't think they should have i think that was the wrong move and i think they should have probably just focused on i don't know if they like is was he just like an outright free agent at this point or did they still have him under yeah, they, some contract no so they, they has i mean they could have tagged him um and they could have put him on the non-exclusive tag but i mean i don't that wouldn't have even mattered because nobody's trading two first-round picks to get Geno Smith. Um, like, could you trade him for and, and, like, but, but, pick and... but they signed him. For, I mean, effectively, all he was signed for was, like, he took a bunch of cap this year. They front-loaded the contract. So he's getting up to $52 million this year. So I think the contract's pretty smart. Like, unless they were going to make a big move for Lamar Jackson, which that would be better if they have that ability to do that and they chose not to, that would be better. But, like, unless they were going to do that, I mean, they could draft a quarterback at five, but that quarterback's not winning the Super Bowl this year. And I don't think that this, like, choice actually prevents them from drafting a quarterback at five if they want to. Like, they can draft a quarterback at five. They can move on from Geno next year pretty painlessly. Um, I think they still have, like, a lot of flexibility with what they do uh, around this contract. I probably, like, if, if it were me, I probably would have said, Geno's not the answer. We don't have the answer. Let's find the answer. Or, or, or like, you know, or, or die trying, if you will. Uh, yeah. Like, they're at 105. They're in position to move up. Like, they could go up to one. That, that's possible. Right, but they still could, I guess. That's my, like. But if they trade Gino, that? like, if they could trade Gino for, like, a second or something, like, if you could take. Well, they would have to tag and trade him. Yeah, which is possible. I, maybe it isn't, but, like, I don't know. They, they, they have other draft capital as well. Like, they, they could have made something work to get up to one. They still can, but I, I would have probably just said, Get Gino out of there. Hopefully, get something back in return, 
and go up and get like Bryce Young or CJ Stroud at one. And or you can't make that trade. Sure, I guess sign Gino because your job depends on it and hope that one of those guys falls to five or or maybe falls to three and you can trade up to three with the Cardinals for uh, less in, like a less terrible price than moving all the way to one. And like, I guess that's an option. Like, I just think yeah. it, you're the, the Seahawks are never going to be really in this position. Like they're, they just don't pick this early. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I still think like, I mean, if I were the Seahawks, I'd probably still draft a quarterback at five personally. I, I don't think that they will, but they definitely can. This contract does not stop them from doing that. Mm-hmm. I, I also think like, I don't know. I'm not, I try to give some credence to the human element on these things. Like the Saints did not have to do this. The Saints chose to bring in Derek Carr. They did not have to do this. I think it's a little harder when Gino was on this team, was given an opportunity, played as well as anyone could have reasonably possibly expected. And you're kind of saying to your roster, like you can do everything that we ask of you and it doesn't matter. Right. And I just think that's like a harder sell to the room. Whereas with Carr, like, Seems to know anything to Derek Carr. No, no person in the locker room would be like, "You didn't sign Derek Carr." Like, you know, like I, I think it's. I just think it'd be a tougher sell. So I, I get it, and I think that they did it in a way that makes sense, and I think that they can. I mean, we'll see. The NFC is not very good. Do you know Smith is probably a top five quarterback in the NFC? Name five better. Name five better. Oh, I'm trying to think. I was like, Dak Prescott. That would be Kyler terrible. Murray. True. <laughs> I think it, I think he's the third best Aaron Rodgers? in the NFC. More Aaron Rodgers. Well, I think he's going to be in the AFC. In the AFC, even you don't think they're just going to trade him somewhere? Well, like, he'll probably get traded to the Jets or the Raiders. Ugh, that's brutal. Who else is on the the AFC? Right. So so basically, there. okay. So who's in the NFC? So Dak's or better. Dak's better. If Kyler's healthy, he's better. Well, you got Daniel Jones. Then, you got Jalen Hurts. Oh, Hurts. Oh, my God. I'm okay. Yeah. Sorry. You got, <laughs> I'm not trying to be a Hurts hater. You got like 108 startup pick Justin Fields there. Yeah, no. You got Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins. No, thank you. Yeah, you have the entire Cousins continuum. You have like Cousins, Goff, Stafford, Jimmy G, Geno Smith, Derek Carr. <laughs> like the, the NFC is just the Cousins continuum now. Like yeah, the whole way awful. through, so you just get to pick your favorite member of the cousins continuum. It's awful because he actually, like, I don't think he's in the top five, but he's not far out of it. He's probably like six. I think or he seven. is. I would put him fourth. Uh, okay. I think okay, he's like, better than Stafford. Jack I think he's better Hurt. than Cousins. Like, if you were building Jack a franchise today, Hurt. like from from that standpoint, you're building a franchise today. You need to pick any quarterback from the NFC, and you're picking him well, that's, five. Well, that's diff- Well, that's different because now I have to consider age. Yeah. Right, but I'm saying from the standpoint of play this year, totally like 2023. We so okay, same idea, but you're not starting a franchise today. You are merely right. having to win the Super Bowl this year. You're putting out five. If I have to win the Super Bowl in 2023, Geno's my third pick in the NFC because Kyler is not going to play for half the year, so I'm not picking him. So it's Hurts one, Dak two, and Geno three. I'm taking him over Stafford, taking him over Cousins, taking him over Carr, taking him over Goff. We even taking over Desmond Ritter. <laughs> wow. Wow. Way to go down the limb. <laughs> yeah. I think he's the third best quarterback in the conference. Well, you, you didn't even include Derek Carr. He's in the conference. He's obviously yeah, I, I better. I did not include Derek Carr. I did not include Derek Carr. That's correct. I think Derek Carr is probably better than Geno Smith. If I, if I were 
picking a based team based on what? Career, I would take him over Geno based Smith. on what? I don't know. He's better. What do you mean based on what? He's got <laughs> better seasons than Geno Smith just had. No, he does not. Please sell me one better based season on what? than he had than Geno. What are you, Smith what are you looking had. at to give you this? Based on operation? any any amalgam any stat you want, give me give me the tip that you would have Geno Smith as better yards you per attempt. Uh, yards per attempt. Derek Carr had a better season than Geno Win. Two years ago, he had seven point nine a bunch of years. Geno had like seven point five last year. Okay, that's a lot better than Carr's average career yards per attempt. Hey, you said a season. And he had how many touchdowns last season? He had thirty touchdowns. Derek Carr does he ever even have a thirty touchdown season? Probably not. He doesn't have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. What do you want from this man? Okay, this Darren is, Waller. No, Derek Carr has had good weapons. Hunter, Hunter, Hunter Renfro. Derek Carr has had Michael Crabtree, Amari Cooper, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, and then Devontae Adams this year. He has had yeah. good weapons. He's had a bad defense. He's had good weapons. He's entirely mediocre. Gino was good last year. Gino was um, elite in CPOE, middle of the pack in EPA, 7.5 yards per attempt, solid. Uh, PFF passer grade, 76, solid. Overall grade, 79.8, quite solid. Pardon me. So Derek Carr in 2016 had an 87.9 passing grade. So it was considerably better. How? Going back to 2016. In 2020, he had an 83.9. In 2019, he had an 85.4. This dude is considerably better year in and year out than Gito Smith. And Gito Smith has only ever played one year of quality football. One year. Well, that part's true. Plus, Derek Carr was a higher draft pick. (laughs) Oh, no. If you go back 10, 11 years, yeah. draft capital. A little higher in the same we are, round. We are draft capital. Truth. DC is draft capital and Derek Carr. It's a match between <laughs> heaven. Yeah, not like they were drafted in the same round or anything. No, well, maybe they were, but Derek Carr was higher. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like by All eight right. or so. Okay, uh, that's enough time for Geno Smith. Daniel Jones, obviously signing Daniel Jones to whatever his contract comes in at is horrendous, right? I saw that they were asking, he was asking for like $48 million or something. <laughs> yeah, well, he's not going to get that, but whatever he gets is too much. Who Who is leaking this? It has to be the GM. I mean, so the... You uh, won't well, believe. I'm sure, okay, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure he's asking for anything. I mean, I'd ask too, but... I mean, realistically, these quarterbacks should be paid like, 20 to 22 million dollars a year and obviously if you offer those quarterbacks that then they're not going to accept it and then that's fine that's fine <laughs> you just you just sign Jameis winston or andy dalton or whoever for like 10 million dollars same difference you know or you just sign like nobody and you just like start a fifth round rookie and tank all, all of these things are better than start than, sam than howell the, right just start sam Howell. yeah sure like if start i was the giants letter for that matter if I was the Giants, like I'm, I'm absolutely, absolutely letting Daniel Jones walk, and I will see if a quarterback falls to me. If a quarterback does not fall to me in the draft, fuck it, I'll take Malik Cunningham, Max Duggan, and Hendon Hooker, all the three of them. I'll have them compete in training camp, and then we'll see who's the best. We'll start. We'll just rotate them by week. Honestly, like the uh, a single vote with the Panthers because they're picking at nine. I'm like, they're probably not going to get a quarterback at nine. They're going to have to trade up. They're probably going to have to trade up. It's going to cost like an enormous amount. 
and it's like uh, it's just gonna suck. So they should just take like Hennon Hooker in like round three or something and put him and Matt Coral out there and say right. But what I'm saying is, if you're gonna do that, take take three of them. Like I would literally, I'm not even being, I'm not even trying to be a goofball. I would take three of them. You watch them all summer in training camp. One of them are going to be like, this guy sucks. And then you can just forget about trying to develop him. Yeah, whoever, Whichever two look the best, you just develop them both. You let them both play. You try to figure out who's better. And then you ride with them. And then you do whatever you can. And maybe you find one that's good. And I, they don't even have to be that good. Like, if they're 80% as good as Daniel Jones, that guy on a rookie contract gives you a way better chance to win than Daniel Jones taking $45 million per year. And if they all suck then great, you pick high. Any of these options are better than... than and, and what's the worst case scenario? You burn three picks in day three? Who gives a shit? Most of your day three picks are just throwing money in the fire. Who cares? You're burning them anyway. <laughs> the fact that you have them is they're burned. Right. Any quarterback drafted on day three could be Tom Brady. That's that's is my plan. I, I just want... This is how I would... This is how I would do it. Not just the judge. That's what I would have done with the Saints too. Any of these teams. I'm, I, I want to see a team do it sometime. Three day, three quarterbacks, open competition all summer. Like the, like these kids do in college. Same thing they do in college. How many times, how many college programs? It's like all summer long is a quarterback competition. We're splitting it up three ways. We'll see who the best one wins. Oh, we're starting both of them this week. Happy. Yeah. Anyway. No, I, um, I, I was thinking about this a lot lately because I don't know why I, I'm just like, like, so like, I, I tweeted about it today because it was like on my mind again. And I was like, how I would like run a franchise. And I'm like, I feel like if you're a NFL franchise, you know that you are capped from a salary cap perspective. Like you can right. only spend as much as everyone else. But like there's no freaking cap on front office or coaching staff. I'm like, why don't they have like three quarterback coaches and every quarterback gets their own damn coach and like, like spend up on quarterback coaches. It's the one thing that you like, the one thing that matters and the one thing that you're not limited by, like just, I, I would take a quarterback every damn year in the, in the draft somewhere. It doesn't have to be on, you know, round two or whatever, but like right. round three, round three, just give me a guy you kind of like, just take him and get him a coach, put him on the scout team and just let it ride. And, and maybe he turns into Tom Brady. Maybe he doesn't, but I would, I would dedicate a tremendous amount of resources around quarterback development. Anyways, um, what were we saying? Uh, well, we were talking about what uh, we were talking about. What we want to do a quarterback for the New York Giants? We agree. Um, oh yeah, anything but Daniel Jones. Jones. Yeah, yeah. Um, so speaking of Daniel yeah. Jones, um, I think he he's the one hundred and one for most overrated uh, dynasty asset right now too. Not just real life, like. Maybe I don't sell him this week because he's probably going to get like 150 million fucking dollars or something. Is he but that high? He, Where's he at? Yeah, he's going around four or five range right now. Well, that's not like terrible. I, no, that's egregious. This is a guy who has been nothing but below average as a passer for the entirety of his career. This year is the same guy he always was. Is under seven yards per attempt again. He had a 6.4 a dot. He ran really hot on touchdowns, and he didn't throw any interceptions. This is the same guy. Okay, Drew, you were making fun of me for liking this guy over Baker Mayfield last year for trying to get everybody to draft him in like round nine. And now you're saying round four or five is, is totally fine. What's changed? He's the same quarterback. I don't, I don't think it's fine. I don't think it's like the most egregious of all 
like dynasty. He thought he was overvalued last year when he was like fifty picks lower, and and now it's fine. Now he's good. Well, he's proven this year he might actually score more points. Why? I don't know. What has he done to change that? I'm just arguing with you. I've I've no leg to stand on with Daniel Jones. I right, two years ago you're I Daniel, thought he was Daniel Jones discount. You're the Daniel Jones truther now. That's you. <laughs> two years ago I thought he Where's was discount, that? or was it three years ago? A couple years ago I thought he was discount. Yeah. Jalen Hurts. I did a whole thread about it in the Discord. I was like, you need to get Daniel Jones. He's basically free. He runs. He's terrible at passing, and he might get replaced at any moment. And that was basically the same. Same as Jalen Hurts at the time. Jalen Hurts obviously yeah. took a giant leap forward, while Daniel Jones merely like stepped forward. And uh, anyways, I like yeah, he's he's egregiously priced, but I don't think he's the most overrated player in Dynasty. All right, well I'm not even gonna ask who you think it is because that'll burn another 15 minutes, and that'll be a topic for another day. Um, okay, last quarterback carousel question. Uh, Lamar Jackson. No, hold on. I take it back. He's the most egregiously overpriced player. He's going ahead of Russell Wilson by like a full round. That's outrageous. Um, Lamar Jackson. If the is there a good reason why the Ravens don't just give him a fully guaranteed contract? I don't get it. No, there's no fucking good reason. The Ravens are idiots, and the only thing I think holding Lamar Jackson back is that Lamar Jackson is an own agent, and I think that that's just causing some issues. He's probably asking for like an unrealistic amount of money. So like I want like a 10-year guaranteed, fully guaranteed contract. And like Lamar, like, no. Like it's gotta be something like that. Because if he's not asking for anything close to what everyone else is getting, they should just give it to him. Like if if he went walked in tomorrow and was like, give me the Deshaun Watson contract, they should sign it on the spot. Right. That's what's been reported. Like I just don't I, I don't actually get the issue with the fully guaranteed. Like I, I think people have made this a big like a scary word. Oh my God. Fully guaranteed. It's like, yeah. I mean, for as long as over the next five years, the only scenario in which you don't want Lamar Jackson to be your quarterback and where you wouldn't be willing to pay him is if he's injured and can't play. And like, he would need to be injured over like multiple seasons. Cause otherwise part of that money would be injury guaranteed anyway. And then even if he does get injured for a full season, like and he's on a regular contract, and he's still Lamar Jackson. You're gonna cut him the next season? No, you're not. You're just gonna have him back and play the next season. So you need to be like injured for like multiple seasons, or completely forget how to play football. Like I, I don't understand the fear of the fully guaranteed contract. And the worst possible scenario is something does happen where it's like chronically bad, and then whatever you suck and you lose and you eat a cap hit. Like, do you think that if you lose Lamar Jackson, you're gonna be good? Like, not immediately. You're going to have to take a couple of years and figure it out. So I don't get the big deal. It's like 90% of the time, 95% of the time, it's not going to make any fucking difference to you if it's fully guaranteed or not because Lamar Jackson is going to be a Raven for the entire length of the contract and he's going to be making that money whether it's fully guaranteed or not fully guaranteed. And in the scenario where he makes it and or something happens where you wish it wasn't fully guaranteed, you're fucked anyway. It's like the Tom Moore quote about Peyton Manning, why they don't give Jim Sorgi any reps. He said, if 18 goes down, we're fucked. We don't practice fucked. That's the contract to me. Just blank check, fully guaranteed. I don't give a shit. Yeah. 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 I agree. The, um, right. what was I going to say? The, uh, the transition tag or whatever they're talking about, were they some the other non exclusive franchise tag? Oh, yeah. Whatever the tag is, non exclusive franchise tag. Yes, yeah, non exclusive. The- they get two first round picks if somebody else signs them and they well, don't matter. Signs, 
Yeah, so so the team to watch would be Atlanta because they have sixty six million dollars in cap space, and if they want to, they can front load the contract to make it just like toxically bad for Baltimore to sign. But they can stomach that up front because they have so much cap space right now. And if they want to do that, and I think they would be, I mean, if if Baltimore goes non exclusive and and Atlanta doesn't sign that, uh, fire everyone. Um, but yeah, they can do that. And then Baltimore has a choice. They can either match or, or, or give them up for two first round picks. So, I mean, the upside of this, I guess, is if they're just like Lamar's being totally unreasonable and he's asking for something that no team would give him. So go test it out, bring us back a contract and we'll match it. You know, I kind of yeah. get that, but like other teams can make that contract pretty toxic to fuck with you if they really want to. So I don't know. And then if you lose him for two first round picks, that's horrible. I mean, he's, worth more than that so especially because those two first round picks are gonna be late because they have lamar fucking jackson on their team like i'm sitting here yeah. as a pittsburgh steelers quasi fan and i'm thinking yeah, really kenny pickett is terrible this is a division rival why don't we give him the best player friendly contract we can possibly muster and force baltimore into a terrible situation where they're either taking our two late first round picks because we're in the goddamn pittsburgh steelers and all we do is win and now we have lamar jackson on top of that <laughs> Or you take Lamar Jackson back on this bloated contract. Like right. the Pittsburgh Steelers should be all over this because they're just going to have to draft yeah. the quarterback in two years anyway. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're, good luck. Sucks. If you're, you're in the AFC North with Watson, Burrow, and Lamar, good luck with Kenny Pickett, Steelers. Like, Steelers <laughs> just need to, like, like they, they're notoriously not, what's the word? Not bad, but like they're not, they're just like aggressive. Defenders. Like they're not aggressive free agent guys. They need to be aggressive free agent. They need to hire someone today who is an aggressive free agent guy. Get him work on the phones. Get get Lamar on the line. Offer him whatever the hell he wants and pay it, and or hope to hell the Baltimore Ravens match it. It's a win win. There's no there's no losing in this scenario for the Steelers. The other interesting thing that I saw was in uh, Matthew Berry's I don't know post article. I don't know what you call that. It was interesting. Yeah, and I like laughed out loud for several moments. People looked at me. It was, I was in public. It was awkward, but it was also great. He suggested, or he had heard, I guess, that someone had suggested that Daniel Snyder should right. sign Lamar Jackson to like a like football economics breaking deal, and then be like, you know, they're, they're like making him sell the team. Like, oh, whoops, I gotta go. Like. Sorry about that. Here's here's Lamar Jackson signed 800 million for 10 years, fully guaranteed. Enjoy next owner. Like it's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Like I'm I am in I am in no way a Daniel Daniel Snyder apologist. I think he's a despicable human being, but just like the uh, the wonderfulness of that move would be hilarious. And I, I hope that he does it. And also Lamar yeah, deserves it. So let's go. But really, the Steelers need to like get off their hands and, and make something happen here. Well, look, if you want to be betting on your favorite team, like Drew would be betting on the Pittsburgh Steelers with Lamar Jackson, at any point in time, you want to be doing it on DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, and right now, there's no better league to bet on than the NBA. It's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 to win $200 in free bets instantly. 
instantly, just like the Steelers should be offered seating. Lamar Jackson, instantly. And for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat, same-game parlay every single day. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Opt in and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it does not hit, you will get a free bet back. It's a win-win, just like we talked about with the Steelers. Download the app now. Sign up with code THPN. THPN. New customers bet $5 on the NBA. Get $200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. All right. Let's talk about rookies. One of the other things that you can bet on, of course, if you want to be on this drafting sportsbook, is going to be NFL Draft. And we're making bets on rookies all the time when we're in our dynasty rookie drafts. And there was a combine. And there was a lot of fun stuff. And we have a lot more data on these rookies. We have a lot more takes on these rookies. So we're going to certainly not talk through everybody. We're certainly not going to talk through all of our thoughts. But this is going to be our first kind of tease into the rookie draft. And we're going to kick it off. It's a little discussion about the 101. Uh, it has been basically assumed since Bijan Robinson was in high school that the 2023 first overall pick in rookie draft would be Bijan Robinson. But recently, Anthony Richardson jumped fast. Well, he jumped high. He ran fast. Ran fast. He jumped high. Uh, jumped fast. And he ran high. Um, <laughs> and that has caused several reputable dynasty analysts to question whether or not Anthony Richardson should instead be the first overall draft choice. And Drew, I'm sure you're among them. You know me, noted Anthony Richardson stan. That's always been my stance. From the start, I I, I have a saying, actually. It's like, it's like a motto that I use, and it's always draft good, bad players when good players are available because they might hit a ceiling. Anyone could be Josh Allen. These are the facts. So that's my stance. Anthony Richardson, 101 of startup drafts. Forget rookie drafts. 101 of startup drafts. <laughs> Go all the way. And uh, it's it's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. Like, really? Really? Like, really? Anthony Richardson? Like, really? He had a 53.8% completion percentage in his that's lone happened. starting season. His... Adjusted yards per attempt was atrocious. I forget what it was. Really low. Seven something. 7.6 maybe. Do you remember? Buddy, I do not care about Anthony Richardson's passing stats. Like I no, I, I took like a cursory like glance one time and I was like, these suck. And then that's like really all I took from it. Like I didn't I didn't bother to see like, oh, is it like a 9.8 out of 10 terrible or is it a 9.4 out of 10 terrible like I, I was just like okay it's bad we accept it, it might be worse than that deal with it yeah it might it might even be worse than that i'm just gonna check real quick he came in with a 7.6 adjusted yards per attempt which is like really really bad pretty great that's pretty good yeah <clears throat> it's awesome. really really bad in fact we were talking earlier and i was like at what point do we feel comfortable this is in the discord not uh, not you and i what point do we feel comfortable with, you know, bumping Anthony Richardson for having poor teammates? You know, he didn't have a stud NFL future NFL wide receiver on the team. You can't really expect him to produce a whole lot. I was like, honestly, like we need like a 50% increase in his passing efficiency to get really psyched up about it. Like he he's so far below what we're looking for that it, he basically should not have thrown a pass. That would, that would have been better for him. No, he's, he's, 
he's Chandler Bing on the threshold charts. You know what I mean by that? No. Well, the, the famous Friends episode, the one with Chandler in a box, Joey's told him, you're so far past the line, you can't even see the line. The oh, line yeah, is yeah. a dot to you. And that's that's it that you're interested on the on whatever passing, you know, if you have a little graph, and you have little axes, and then you have the diagonal line, it's like, these are quarterbacks for the top 12 fantasy finish. And the, then it's like Anthony Richardson's like way below that line. He can't even see the line. He's the a line dot. is a dot to him. Yeah. Yes, that's, yes. that's where we're at. That is, that is Anthony. See, so let, okay, let's go back to Bijan Robinson because I just really want to talk about Bijan Robinson for a minute. Bijan Robinson. Too, it's like a pretty boring thing to talk about. He's phenomenal. He has like no flaws. He's perfect. Which is why it should not be a discussion that we're taking anyone else even in his range. It's Bijan Robinson. And then it's like 50 miles of nothingness, and then it's everyone else. Like, it's so far not a conversation that it should never be a conversation. And you're yeah, right. Well, I've seen many people saying, many people are saying that it's actually Anthony Richardson who isn't even good. Like, if Anthony Richardson was good, then we could have a conversation. But he wasn't even good. And call it, he's the most athletic quarterback in the history of football. And he wasn't good at football in college when the players aren't good. The, the, the gap in athleticism in college is substantially higher than the gap in athleticism in the NFL. And he wasn't good in college. So how is he going to suddenly be good in the NFL? So I'll talk about Bijan first. I wrote a Substack post um, all about Anthony Richardson mostly, but I did bring up this like recent flurry of arguments about him at the 101. I, I think it's lunacy. I think that, well, frankly... It, it totally jumps the shark in the sense that the argument for Anthony Richardson over Bijan Robinson, such that there is one, is but it's super flex. And like I have seven Bijan Robinsons, I was fortunate enough to um, luck into. Uh, one of them I only found out about like two days ago. We just did the draft lottery, uh, and I won it with like nine percent odds, which was really awesome. Awesome. It was the first round pick that I got for Denzel Mims two years ago. Oh! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that that is great news. I love hearing about Denzel Mims trades. That's that's one of my favorite topics. Things that we yeah. got for Denzel Mims before he was known to be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony Richardson, because that's how I'm taking a one oh one. That's who we got. <laughs> no. Um that would be poetic anyhow. justice. <laughs> yeah, I'll be taking Bijan Robinson. Or I'll be trading him. Anyway, and that gets to my point, which is that I've traded half the Bijan Robinsons that I had already. Uh, more or less straight up, there's like some little like, back and forth that we don't have to get into, but more or less straight up for Trevor Lawrence twice to Sean Watson once. Those trades are out there. I can't like promise you whether it's out there in your league. I, I don't know exactly what the people are willing to do in your league. But Bijan plus not that much for a top 10 startup, startup quarterback is like entirely viable. Um, we can debate whether or not we want to do that. That's you know independent of that. I think Drew and I are both a little bit on opposite sides of that. But what we would certainly agree with is if there's any voice in your head that's like, I don't need a running back. I don't want a running back. I want to take a quarterback at 101. I don't want a running back, whatever. You absolutely must exhaust all possible options to simply trade the pick for an actual top 10 quarterback before taking a rookie quarterback, be it Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, any of them. Think about what you would trade that quarterback. Like if you just 
got Anthony Richardson, plop onto your team. You have him in a Devi league, whatever. Same with Bryce Young, same with CJ Stroud, any of them. I mean, I would trade any one of the three plus a base first-round pick for Kyler or Deshaun Watson or Lawrence or Lamar Jackson, like, without even blinking. And I'd probably pay more than that. I'd probably pay, like, Anthony Richardson plus a first plus a second for Kyler, who's, like, the cheapest of the ten. I, I would do that. Um, so that's how much value I think you're just totally hemorrhaging. Uh taking him there. And then if you can't make that trade right now, then just take B. John Robinson and hopefully we'll make that trade at some point in time. The good news is B. John Robinson, like, you know, we talk about value insulation, right? we can, we, I don't even know if we'll have enough time to get into it today. We might debate the concept of value insulation in relation to Anthony Richardson. B. John Robinson is as close to, a, if anything's hundred percent value insulation, B. John Robinson's whatever the next closest thing. Like he's going to be really good. <laughs> There's like very little doubt about it. He plays running back, so even if he's not quite as good as we think, it doesn't even fucking matter because they're just going to load him up with touches anyways. He's going to get first-round draft capital. So he has such a wide margin for error. Um, you're going to have a lot of time, once you take Bijan Robinson, to continue to try to do Bijan Robinson for quarterback trades for as long as you still want to do it. That's not going away. <laughs> so there's just no good reason to do anything with your 101 other than take Bijan Robinson and if you do want to trade it, then you have to do it for an actual established star. You cannot do it for any rookie quarterback. Especially a likely bad one. Especially. The, yeah, I, mean, uh, I wouldn't even do that. I remember 2018, I was in a startup draft with um, Dan Hendry. I don't know if you know him. He's with, I think he's with football guys. And, uh, he had taken Saquon Barkley before it was cool in the first round of that startup draft. And there were some guys in the chat that were like, Oh, like what a bad pick. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I think it's kind of a great pick because like, got to remember back in 2018 quarterbacks weren't really like in vogue. It, it, we were still picking positional players in the first round. And I was like, there's probably no safer player to pick in the first round than Saquon Barkley because if he goes out in training camp and blows out his ACL, we're all just going to think he's still great and it doesn't really matter. And that's the same thing with Bijan Robinson right now. Like if he goes out and gets injured, we're still going to think he's great. Brees Hall is not what Bijan Robinson is. And we still all think he's great. Maybe not to the same extent, but like, you know, he's still a top three running back. Yeah, he's, most still, he, he's gone in round two of every startup I've done this year. Yeah. Like that's kind of worst case scenario for Bijan Robinson. And Bijan Robinson's a, considerably better prospect than Brees Hall was. So I just like, I, I don't really see any downside as selecting Bijan Robinson. He's as automatic as you get when it comes to elite ceiling and elite floor. Like he, he, he is hands down the locked in far and away, most valuable uh, running back in the game it, or should be in dynasty anyway. And oh. there's a lot of quarterbacks that I think I'd take, or there's not a lot of quarterbacks. I think I'd take over Bijan. You famously traded Trevor Lawrence for him straight up, and I, I would not do that. I would rather have Bijan Robinson, which is saying a lot because I think that Trevor Lawrence is really good. I just don't think he's maybe as good as you think he is. I guess I think I think you're probably just wrong on Trevor Lawrence. So that's embarrassing, but uh, could happen to anyone. I've seen other people make those mistakes. Yeah, I mean, I I think I, I think the goal is right. I I want to in terms of value over replacement within year and longevity. 
you know, I want to be spending the highest possible value spots of my lineup on quarterbacks, ideally. And, you know, I think we can quibble as to whether or not, you know, we've had this discussion about Herbert in years past, still seems to apply, even coming, I mean, that's the other thing. We've had this discussion, I think, in Herbert in years past, we can do it with Lawrence now, if it's like, are, is this guy actually truly elite, or is he kind of up there? You know, we talked uh, pre-show, we kind of agreed that we think it, a reasonable floor for his career is something like a Dak Prescott career. I mean, I think that is more valuable than B. John Robinson, personally, in terms of what he's providing for you at the Superflex, or at the quarterback position within a Superflex context. Um, and even if you don't, once you're into that realm of quarterbacks, it's just an easier swap, where if you're able to get any one of these quarterbacks, now you're in the ball game. Now you can start trading with the other top eight, top nine, top 10 quarterbacks, get whatever one you want. And you probably have a more reasonable shot of doing that when you already have a quarterback who's going in that range. And I don't think he has that much risk of frankly falling out of that range. I mean, you look at Justin Herbert, he wasn't even a QB one last year and his ADP is like barely changed. Uh, he still goes in the middle of the first round of startups. Uh, so I, I think that Lawrence is not, he's definitely not like my favorite pick in round one, but I'm almost Shockingly, I'm almost entirely agnostic when it comes to trying to shop for one of these top line quarterbacks, and I don't already have one. Like, I have preferences within the tier, but I don't really have preferences when I'm trying to get one, because for me, the goal is get one and then figure it out later. Like, I'll trade for Lawrence, I'll trade for Herbert, I'll trade for whichever. If I'm trading for Kyler or Watson, I'm probably doing that to keep them, which is fine, because that's, I think they're already underpriced. I mean, my favorite one in this range is Lamar. He's by far my most rostered. I have three times more than any other quarterback in this range except for Watson. Uh, but, I mean, I would be totally happy taking Herbert or Lawrence or whatever and then just kind of figuring it out from there once I'm in this realm of quarterback. Yeah, I think I think if you want to get Trevor Lawrence and he's a stepping stone, then fine. But if you want to get Trevor Lawrence as, like, your end game, I'm probably not as comfortable with that. I'd rather just have Bijan Robinson for a few years and then punt him by the time he's, like, 24 before the – before the luster starts to fade and uh, get my Trevor Lawrence at that point, if that makes sense. That's just not as guaranteed though, man. I mean, I know that you think that Trevor, I know you think in your magical world of lies that Jonathan Taylor was not actually a good running back prospect, but like <laughs> theoretically <laughs> that should have been the guy that we were selling before the luster wore off and he ends up getting hurt and that's what happens. And then people now, and now he's seven. Yeah, he's still good, but you're not trading him straight up for Trevor Lawrence. No chance. You're not far. You can trade him straight up for Kyler Murray. Yeah, I mean, in theory, but not in reality. <laughs> you don't play enough Dynasty Leagues, Drew. You're not in touch with the people. You're not, not here. You're not sending. Are you? How many trades have you fired off in the last month? Oh, I can't even count. Yeah, probably zero. At least zero. a thousand. At least a thousand. Zero. I fired like, off like 60 trade offers today. I'm out here with the people. 60 trade offers in one day? Yeah. And you watched probably... and you watched the Darnell Washington video on repeat? Like what did you do all did yeah, you not it was a work? Good day. Well, I, I had I had a pretty boring class. It was like three <laughs> hours long. Anyways, the moral of the story is Jonathan Taylor got hurt, put up a like RB did he even finish RB20? I don't even know. Something like that. No. And he's still valued at 207. Oh my! Oh my God! It's amazing. The floor on these running backs is much higher than we give them credit for. Yeah. So Jonathan Taylor, like he's still valued at two hundred seven. He just put up like an RB twenty something season. Like he, like he didn't lose that much value. 
And he's what is he going to be? Twenty. We have to stop with the two hundred seven shit though, because there's a massive tier cutoff once you get through those quarterbacks and Bijan, and then it really flattens off. Like if you go into a startup and you try and trade in from like the two eight two nine to one twelve, it's going to cost you. Like it's not. It is not the gap that you would naively expect just based on the like linear ordering of the picks. <laughs> I swear you guys, like I'm, I'm like, okay, we're gonna use fantasy calc. And then suddenly we're not gonna use fantasy calc no, anymore. I'm, and now I'm, saying let's, I'm just saying we gotta use ADP. Times. And then we pull up ADP. <laughs> we don't use ADP. No, no, no. no, no. I, this. Right. I think we should use vibes. We should use vibes. Well, that's one way to do it. Yeah. Um, oh, all right. Gosh. No, I, I'm, I, what I've been is I, I think that we should allow room in every discussion for people's individual micro markets uh anyhow oh, absolutely um more or less okay but we're all taking beach on with the 101 we disagree a little bit on what how many quarterbacks we trade him for obviously we're taking with the 101 let's talk a little bit more about anthony richardson though um neither of us are obviously taking with the 101 i have not yet decided on where i would draft anthony richardson if he gets top 15 capital i want to make this very clear this Remaining conversation with Anthony Richardson is under the assumption that he gets drafted in the top 15. If he does not get drafted in the top 15, he obviously is not going to be a person that we're considering drafting at the 102 or the 103 or the 104 or whatever. And if you are drafting in a pre-rookie draft or pre-NFL draft anything, I, I promise you that the market at large is not baking in enough risk about Anthony Richardson's draft capital. Just take him off your draft board. Yeah. With that disclaimer out of the way. If he gets the draft capital that we need, 102? No, 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 no. he's not good enough. If he was good, we could take him at 102, but he's not good, so therefore we don't take him at 102. Then who are it's you quite, taking? Which, which, who are you taking? Who are you taking? At 102? Yeah. Uh, that running back on Alabama, what's his name? Camir Gibbs? Yeah, that one. Okay, so it's interesting because you were a little more lukewarm on Gibbs. I'm I'm more green green light on Gibbs, but I'm green light on Gibbs. You said you're worried about him. You don't like that he's small. You hate him. You hate him. You hate him that he's a small little skinny man. He is a small boy, but it doesn't matter. Like, like have you okay. not seen the small boy bulletproof running backs? Yeah, yeah they're, they're incredible. Good. They're really. Want to run down a couple? You want to tease a couple? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's Fine, do I'll that. do this. My, my list is not that. Okay, I'll put it this way. I put out a tweet where I I looked at round one, two picks, uh, sub 205 pounds when they weighed in at the combine. Uh, and I also had market share receiving yards, best season, over 10%. So guys that are producing in the passing game, which you really need to produce in the passing game if you're a small boy. Uh, and that was Jameer Gibbs. It was Chris Johnson. It was CJ Spiller. It was Reggie Bush. It was LaShawn McCoy, um, Christian McCaffrey. And the only guys who were not really helping you were Isaiah Pede and Giovanni Bernard uh, for that mix. And those guys were slower. They were more satellite back type players. And with Jameer Gibbs running that 4-3-6, beautiful 4-3-6, makes me feel like it's all full steam ahead. What got me really excited is that I was like, man, I really would love to put Jamal Charles and Steve Slayton into these comps somehow. I don't know how to do that without bringing all the other shitty round three running backs. And then I saw this chart that you posted. Yeah, so like if you just look at 
say bulletproof running backs from basically any era. Uh, in fact, all the eras. And then you go ahead and filter by like 205 pounds and under. You're left with a whole bunch of running backs. Their names are LaShawn McCoy, Ray Rice, Reggie Bush, Christian McCaffrey, Jamal Charles, Steve Slayton, and Giovanni Bernard. Now, what you'll notice about these running backs is that Giovanni Bernard was terrible. He didn't do anything in the NFL that mattered. He was, I think he had a couple wider or running back 24 top 24 seasons, which basically means he was healthy and he played on an NFL team. Good for him. Doesn't matter. We don't care. Steve Slayton was only able to muster, and I, I'm shocked by this actually, two top 12 seasons. I thought he only had one, so I'm a little bit surprised by that one. And then so that, that's like the guys who didn't hit an elite ceiling. We're looking at elite ceilings. We're just blanket blanketing it at uh, blanketing it at top five because that's you know pretty good, all things considered. So when we do that, then we're looking at the rest of the names on the list, which are LeSean McCoy, Ray Rice, Reggie Bush, Christian McCaffrey, and Jamal Charles. These players were all sub two hundred and five pounds. They're all small boys. They're pretty much all exclusively very good in the passing game. And that's exactly what Jamar Gibbs is. And then you have like, at one point I remember searching through things and looking at it and seeing Jamal Charles and Chris Johnson. I forget how I filtered this, but I was exploring something. And basically what I found was that if you're going to be really, really small, you need to be really, really fast. Jamal Charles and Chris Johnson were really, really fast. And Jamar Gibbs is really, really fast. And basically, at the end of the day, what I'm saying is I don't really care that he's small because all the small boys still smashed. They all still had top five seasons, except for Steve Slayton, who had two top 12 seasons, and Giovanni Bernard, who had zero of anything other than, you know, top 24, which, like, Ronald Jones had top 24 seasons. Right, but Giovanni Bernard ran a 4-5-3, right? True. Like, he's not and the same. This is one of those things where you get to apply all context and you get to look at it and you say, yeah, is Giovanni Bernard and Jameer Gibbs the same guy? No, because one of them has very pedestrian speed while being really s- small. And that means you, sir, are a satellite back. <laughs> right? And Jameer Gibbs is not that. He gets to be the dynamic, game-breaking player that gets to be that Reggie Bush archetype. Uh, we've seen the Alvin Kamara comp uh, put out a lot, and it doesn't really work because Alvin Kamara is like 250 pounds. Um, I've seen Aaron Jones thrown around. I've seen Jamal Charles thrown around, and that one works from a size perspective. But if you look at like what these guys bring to the table... These guys are better rushers than Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs has tended to grade out as a efficient rusher on really favorable touches outside the uh, tackle box, sweeps, etc. He's generally been pretty inefficient compared to his teammates uh, and compared to the class at large on stuff in between the tackles. He doesn't get a lot of that work. I don't think that he's a great rusher. I, I think that he's an explosive rusher. Um, and I think that keeps bringing me back to more Reggie Bush, CJ Spiller, um as sort of the comps and i think frankly like i think that people have looked for these alvin Kamara, aaron jones comps and been nervous about him coming in lighter than these guys because we haven't seen a lot of running backs with this really strong profile that have been really small in very recent years like the closest thing that we got was like deandre swift and to me that's kind of jameer gives his floor as like a running back who's not that good of a rusher, but is really explosive and is a great receiver and ends up being kind of a committee guy. Like I'm pretty sure he's going to be at least what DeAndre Swift's been. DeAndre Swift's ceiling was not what DeAndre Swift is. Yeah. But like Jameer Gibbs's floor to me is kind of what DeAndre Swift is, if that makes sense. And then 
which is still pretty good. Uh, and, you know, we just had a big run in like 2005 to 2010, where we had way more like small, fast, dynamic running backs who got a lot of draft capital. And these guys had success. And I think they're only going to have more success, you'd think, in the modern NFL. Like, I don't see any reason why the NFL has shifted away from these guys. It's just, that's just what happens. There's only like one to three elite running back prospects every year. And sometimes you get a run where they're big and sometimes they're small. And that's just kind of natural selection at work. So I'm, I'm really pumped for Jameer Gibbs. I mean, he's a special receiving profile. His market share receiving yards best season was 0.1958. Like anything over 0 0.10 is like an elite mark. Like Bijan Robinson, we're talking about as a really impressive receiver, 0 0.1001, right? So Jameer gives like double, right? And Bijan Robinson is a good receiving profile. I'm not doing that to knock him. You talk about guys like Zach Charbonnet is like, he caught 37 passes this last year in college. We're excited about him as not like a dynamic receiver, but as a guy who's going to be able to be used in the receiving game, 0 0.0931. Right, Tank Bigsby. Oh, he was a guy we're hoping gets day two capital because he's kind of be an all-purpose guy. Point zero eight six nine. Sean Tucker was a guy that we were like, he's like the spreadsheet king. People have called point one three eight nine. Like Jameer Gibbs is a special, special, special receiver because he's not just racking up the PPR points. He's the guy who's running the angle routes. He's the guy who's running the wheel routes. He's the guy who's running a full route tree. He's getting explosive touches, screen touches constantly. Like he's everything that we want in a receiving running back. Uh, like yeah he yeah 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 just just don't overthink it take jameer gibbs at 102 ignore the quarterbacks until after he's gone and and then we can get into anthony richardson maybe yeah i i think that i mean i think it's notable like that we've shifted so much towards the quarterbacks uh where like people i think there's like an attitude on twitter when I've floated before, like, I think I would probably take Jameer Gibbs at 102. It's like, you can't take him over the quarterbacks. It's super flex. And like, we've kind of always done that, right? Like we were like regularly taking Taylor over Burrow. We were regularly taking Clyde oh, over, yeah. we were constantly taking Swift and Dobbins over Tua. We were taking um, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and Javante Williams over Zach Wilson and Mac Jones the other year. Like, right, like usually... There is not a quarterback in this class who is like both mobile and a fantastic passing prospect. We have a fantastic passing prospect and Bryce Young is like kind of sort of mobile-ish, but he doesn't actually ever scramble or rush, so he probably won't in the NFL either. We have CJ Stroud, who I referred to pre-show as the human turret. Um, it's like a turret. He just stands back there and he like shoots pretty accurately. And he's a very useful tactical weapon but he doesn't act he has no mobility he's just a turret and then you have will levis who doesn't really run much and he sucks and then you have and like pr pretty much the entire case of will levis is but he plays quarterback and it's super flex like that's where the case starts and ends um and then with anthony richardson he is definitely going to run a lot so he probably will score fantasy points but he also might totally suck and i just don't think it's unreasonable to take Jameer gibbs over any of these guys i mean if you think about quarterbacks that are actually in the nfl right tease this out a little bit with me we have guys like Travis Etienne and Ken Walker going, you know, round two and three in startups right now. We have seen in the past, um, you know, from Josh Jacobs to Miles Sanders to even fucking carry on Johnson. We've seen all sorts of these running backs with half decent or strong rookie years just shoot up into rounds two, round three and startups routinely. Think of where a guy like Tua is going right now, right? Tua Tagovailoa is a great prospect. Comparable prospect, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, by any measure, in my opinion. Uh, 
he was, I don't know, average, whatever for two years. And he was great this year. And people only want to take him in like the fourth round of startups. But then we want to take the guys who basically have two as profile, but haven't actually been great in the NFL yet at like round two of startups. And it's like, does that make any fucking sense? Um, so like if we're totally comfortable clicking, you know, like a Travis Etienne or a Ken Walker above a Tua, why in the world wouldn't we take a Jameer Gibbs over like a Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, especially when you consider the fact that the risk factor, like good quarterback prospects, like do occasionally bust or at least struggle to get acquainted early. It's just harder, but like good running back prospects drafted in round one and round two, like it's such a easy layup to get that at least the year one to year two value. Maybe you want to cash out at that point, but like, you do not see good, highly drafted running back prospects stumble out of the gate very often unless they like break their foot in training camp. Yeah, no, it's I'm I didn't know that you were going to be on board with my Jameer Gibbs take, so that's wonderful news. Um, I thought you were all in on Anthony Richardson. You, you were very much pro Anthony Richardson, so I just presumed that you were going to continue doing that. And then you were like, actually, no, Jameer Gibbs makes a lot of sense. So refreshing. No, I, I think. No, I'm. I have not made up my mind for one, two through one, four. I'm. It's going to be Young and Richardson and Gibbs in some order. I, I, if I, at the moment, I'm leaning towards Gibbs two, Richardson three, Young four. But by the time we come on air on May, I might change my mind on that. But I, I do think the Gibbs is underrated to the market. Like in the startup, I only done one startup this year with rookies included, where you have to draft them now. And again, I think that shifts the equation on Richardson a lot because you're taking on a lot of extra risk. Like Bryce Young went at the two oh three. CJ Stroud went, I think, in the mid-third. I took Gibbs at the 408. And I think it's really wild that there's that big of a value spread between those guys. Um, that being said, I will say this. I think our opinion on Jameer Gibbs at the 102 is clearly a minority opinion based on how the market's treating them right now. Maybe by the time we get to drafts, that's no longer the case. Um, I would definitely want to at least shop the 102. And that, that's what gets me to this. I think Jameer Gibbs is undervalued based on how people value Jameer Gibbs. But I think that if you take Jameer Gibbs at the 102, then you're kind of assigning the value that the 102 has, which is the 209, which is like not a great price on Jameer Gibbs anymore. Um, and so really what you want to be doing with the 102, in my opinion, you want to be selling the hell out of the 102. You want to be trying to do 102 plus a first round pick equals pick Kyler, Watson, Lamar, whatever. Try to make that happen. Or 102 equals Mark Andrews or 102 equals Kyle Pitts, try and make something like that happen. Especially because, you know, we're going to have this weird vortex where some people might want Gibbs the 102. If you agree with us, you probably will. Uh, plenty of people want Richardson at the 102. Plenty of people want Bryce Young at the 102. Might have a couple Stroud 102ers. Might have some JSN 102ers. You never know. Chances are, like, it's an exploding asset and that probably loses 50% if it's appeal the second you make a pick because you just took a player that half the room wouldn't have taken at 102 versus the 106, 105. To me, this is like, these are the assets you really want is the 104 through 106 right now. Because if you're on the clock, right, there's such a good chance that there's going to be half your league by the time you get on the clock. They're 102 still on the board when you're picking at 104 or 105. Or your 102 is still on the board, but you're picking at 104, 105. So th those are the assets that I'm certainly trying to trade. I would be trying to trade away the 102 right now. Yeah, I think the 102 is 
I think it's interesting. Like you're, it sounds like what you're saying is to sell the 102, and I'm, I'm kind of thinking like maybe don't sell the 102 quite yet. You, I mean, I think you should be selling the 102 for sure. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's it's valued far too close to the elite quarterbacks for my taste at the moment. Yeah, I guess from that standpoint, sure. But I'm also like, I wouldn't be shocked if Anthony Richardson ended up the consensus one on one, and then you're sitting on Bijan Robinson at 102, and that feels like well, it's that's. Not but, okay, so uh, maybe the take is we should sell the one hundred three. Yeah, no, I but, but like maybe, realistically, maybe it's, a judgment, maybe it's a judgment call because that's the thing. Like, maybe it's a judgment call based on do you think that the person in your league with a one hundred one is a is a mental patient? <laughs> that, sorry, did that was really insensitive. I shouldn't have said that. That was bad. Did the, um, did the person in your earn the 101 or did they trade for the 101 if they earned it they might take anthony richardson because they're probably bad at this yeah i i <laughs> i think i think that is a wrinkle good. right but do you know what's going to happen in the leagues are people actually going to take anthony richardson the 101 yeah people are going to have it's absolutely going to happen and it's ridiculous but it's going to happen if he if he gets drafted in the top five he's going 101 like i i don't really have a doubt about it at this point <laughs> no way Combine records. No way. People are already putting him at one on one. Like but we've like, been we've been planning to take Dijon for like three years. Yeah, but people are insane. People do this kind of stuff all every <laughs> year. We see this kind of thing every year. Bad Man, players okay. get up because of combine and some mythical upside that's probably never going to materialize anyway. And they just throw caution in the wind and take bad players over good players. It's wild. But now that I'm okay, saying it out loud, me into this. you've talked me into this. Now that I'm saying it out loud, though, I'm thinking if you get Bijan Robinson at 102 and 101 and 102 are actually valued basically the same, is it really a deal to get Bijan at 102? You might as well just ship off the 102, and then if you uh, if the 102 ends up falling in value because Anthony Richardson doesn't go early, as early as people are thinking he's going to, then you haven't lost a huge amount of value. So I think if I'm at the 102, I'm probably selling it, but I'd be really interested in moving up to the 101 if the value on 101 and 102 are roughly. Yeah. Well, this is this is the thing, right? I I don't like I wouldn't just be selling the 102 for like stuff. Like I think it's just it's not that often. Like I know that you can go to Keep Trade Cut and you can like make a cool little trade on a trade calculator, but like in real life, big boy league time, it's just very hard to like get elite assets by sending a pile of mid right like it's just not going to usually happen so i think like whenever you have that elite upside asset like i'd be really nervous about selling it in a way that leaves you with one less high upside like value asset so i really think like i'm not selling the 102 for like 110 and a 24 first and a no. third round pick like, i'm like that stuff don't do that stuff I, I'm specifically saying if I have the 102, I either want to move up to get Bijan Robinson at 101, I want Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson, or I want one of the top 10 quarterbacks. Uh, or, I mean, I think you might be able to move the 102 for Dak straight up. Like, I saw that poll the other day where it was like Bryce Young or Dak. It was like 70-30 Bryce Young. Um, and and then Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts. Like, those would be the things that I'm targeting. Anything else beyond that, I'm just keeping the 102. Yeah, if you like my kind of stance around this is that if I have an elite asset, I'm not getting back, I'm not trading it for a non elite asset. Like, if right. I'm trading the 102, which is likely going to be priced as an elite asset, then I want an elite asset. I'm not, I'm not moving it for a bunch of 
maybe they'll be good one days. Like I'm getting back something that I want. You don't have to trade the 102 now. You don't have to trade it at any point until you have to make the draft pick. That's when you have to trade right. it if you don't want what's there. But uh, yeah, if, if you got the 102 right now and the other owner, like the manager in your league with 101 is like, yeah, I'd be interested in going back a spot. I like if it doesn't cost too much, I'd I'd throw in whatever I need to get to get to that 101 and just take Bijan. Right. I'm glad you said that. I, I think what you want to be doing, you want to be trading offensively. Like when I'm saying it's an asset you should sell, I don't mean like it's an asset you should sell in the sense of like you have an exploding bomb in your hands that you need to like get rid of. You don't. Like at the very worst case scenario, you have the opportunity to draft a bulletproof running back with a 19% receiving market share in college. That is a good thing. That's the opposite of a bomb. That's that's something to be very excited about. I think you should trade offensively in the sense that if people are overvaluing some of the options of the 102 and they're overvaluing it relative to actual proven elite assets, like I talked about this in the, in the most recent Substack post where like I've seen people making this argument, you know, the main argument between AR and Bryce Young. And I'll, I'll make the argument. Like I said, I haven't entirely decided I'm going to rank those two. But like my argument for taking Richardson over, over, I'll even use Stroud. I'll use the turret. So like why I would take Richardson over the turret is like, you know, Richardson is a pretty straight shot at how this guy becomes a round one startup level player. It's like, are you a competent enough passer to both keep your team on the field, like getting first downs so that you can do all the fun stuff for fantasy we want you to do and a competent enough passer to just like remain employed, right? It doesn't even need to be a great passer. You probably won't be a great passer. It just needs to be like the 18th best passer in the NFL. You'll yeah. probably score a ton of fantasy points. Um, if he's the 18th best passer in the NFL, he's probably going to be like a top five startup pick, not like a round one right. startup right that's that's the thing right whereas with stroud it's like he has to jump through so many hoops like he first of all he has to actually be good there's he's a rookie there's a, like i don't think he's bad but it's not inconceivable um so first he actually has to be good and then he has to be like not just good but like special good and then he has to land you know probably with some decent weapons and he probably needs to have a coach that's willing to pass the ball and he probably needs to have a coach that's willing to play fast like he needs to be like like to be that archetype of quarterback, you need to be in like the burrow spot where you need to be on an offense with good weapons and a high pass rate over expectation. And you need to be like special, special talented. And you probably still need to either at least run average or hot on touchdowns every year. Like yeah. you like saw what happened Herbert. to Justin Herbert this year, right? Justin Herbert was not even a QB one this year. He's really good. He's really good. And he has a coach who does have a high pass rate over expectation. And he has a coach who does play fast. And the, but he had shit weapons and he ran cold on touchdowns. And he was basically Jared Goff for you in fantasy this year. Like that's that's the thing. And the, the far more likely outcome, of course, with CJ Stroud is like it's not a binary situation where he's bad or he's Justin Herbert. I think recent years has tricked us to where I think people have made these rookie quarterbacks more binary in their minds than they are, because we've seen so many recently, either it's like you're Zach Wilson bad or you're Trey Lance not even playing, or you're Joe Burrow, or you're Justin Herbert, or you're Lamar Jackson. Like think back five, ten years, like you know, the Jared Goffs, the Matt Ryans, the Matt Stafford, Sam Bradford. It's like there's a lot of these guys who are just come in and start for a long time and, you know, they put their hard hat on in the morning and they go to work. And, like, it's entirely possible CJ Stroud just has, like, a Jared Goffian career. And, like, you know, so in my opinion, it's not just about, like, the value versus the asset. It's about, like, do I even have the chance to trade for the asset? Like, I'll put it this way. If I could trade for Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson, 
or Deshaun Watson at their quote unquote market value in every single one of my leagues, I would have two of them in every single one of my leagues. Like <laughs> I would just would, I, I, I would, there would not be a single league where I wouldn't have one of them. So, you know, when we see what these, when we pull up the trades, what you're really seeing is, is it's not actually the average cost of those players. It's the average cost of those players when there's a manager willing to trade them. So like Richardson to me is that guy who has a chance to be a guy that you are just hoping to have a chance to trade for. It's not a high chance, but it's a chance. With Stroud, it's a lower chance. And I'm willing to forego that Jared Goff section of his range of outcomes where he's an okay guy. You're taking in the round seven of a startup and Richardson's just out of the NFL. That range of outcomes, whatever. I'll forego that. I'll take the L there. Uh, the problem is, is like, then I've seen these people, it's like, you know, well, why would I add, you know, a first or why would I add a first and a half and a second? Or why would I add even two firsts to just go get Lamar Jackson with Anthony Richardson? And it's like, no, no, now it's the opposite scenario, right? Now, actually, if you're trading him plus whatever it takes, to get Lamar Jackson, like you're getting the ceiling. What you're actually foregoing is whatever mid stuff you're losing to ensure that you're getting a ceiling right? Like that's actually a floor based play in a way to keep Anthony Richards in that part, because you're valuing these depth assets, these things that you have to add to go trade up at the top. That's not how I want to play this. So I, I think that how I feel about Richardson versus Stroud, like in a rookie context or even versus young is different than how I'm valuing as an asset. And as he continues to creep closer and closer and closer to the actual proven elites, like that's where I'm saying, yeah, fuck it trade whatever other shit you have to do and just go get one of the actual elite guys instead of hoping that Richardson becomes one of them. Yeah, one of the things I've been working on, well, not as much as I like to because I've been working on a lot of rookie stuff lately. One of the things I intend to keep working on is kind of an expectation of value in terms of, let's say that Anthony Richardson is valued at a mid-second round startup pick price. What is that actually? Like, what are we valuing that as? Is he does he have to be a top five quarterback in the next two years in order to like pay off at that value and and that kind of thing? Like, what's the value or what's the expectation given the value range that we're talking about? And yeah, it's just like with Richardson, I feel like assuming that he's going to be at the one hundred one or ish range with Bijan, which is like a you know round one two startup pick turn kind of valuation what are we really asking for here like we're we're asking for him to be a top five fantasy producer in the very near future maybe not this year but probably by year two and if he doesn't provide that then we're looking at well how much is his price going to fall and i think this is one of the things that's virtually unknown with anthony richardson we never see this like i, I can't think of a single example where we've seen a player that is so bad at football get propped up so high based on this perceived ceiling that we don't have this like there's no history to point to to say look the last five times that we saw this when that player was successful then he jumped and when he wasn't successful then he actually still stayed the same we don't have that sample with anthony richardson i think what we're going to have is like a one-for-one -one scenario where we have this player and there's no priors to fall back on like justin fields trevor lawrence zach wilson uh, Trey Lance were all either bad or didn't play as rookies. And with a lot of those guys, we had strong priors. Like we we believed pretty much unanimously across the community that Trevor Lawrence was a special quarterback. He didn't fall that much. Justin Fields fell a hell of a lot more. And he people really like Justin Fields. 
Zach Wilson basically got turfed because people were very uncertain about Zach Wilson as a prospect in the first place. And now, and, and like considerably more <laughs> uncertainty with Anthony Richardson. So if he doesn't do the thing that we think that he might do, if we're drafted, that we're expecting based on where we're drafting him, mm. I'm terrified of the, the I'll like, give you, he's not going to go to zero, but he could drop, you know, five, six rounds. And I don't think that I'll give you some reason. pushback here a little bit. Um, I know that I know that as soon as I say this, the first words out of your mouth is going to be that Trey Lance and Anthony Richardson shouldn't be compared, and that Lance was a way better prospect. I know that's what you're going to say. Um, I, I tend to agree with you, but we're purely now talking about the market, right? And I don't know that the market sees Lance and Richardson quite as different. Like I, I know that you have your particular stance on on how what you think we should do with these smaller conference guys. Uh, my stance is like not that you're right or wrong. My stance is just we really don't know. Like the sample size on highly drafted FCS quarterbacks is so negligible that I just have no fucking clue how we should weight their stats or if we should weight their stats or really how we should treat them in any sort of meaningful way. Um, we can certainly, uh, what I would say is like, I would have way more comfort drafting Lance's profile than Richardson's in a vacuum if they're both prospects, just in the sense of like, we know that Richardson was horrible in the SEC. We know that Lance was great in the FCS. And so he might've been horrible in the SEC, but might've been horrible is definitely better than was horrible. So I'd go with might've been. Um, all that being said, I think that there was a lot of skepticism about Lance's prospect profile coming in. And I think a lot of it was based on landing spot, draft capital, rushing ability, tools, etc. He's played three games in two years. It is entirely plausible. He is not the starting quarterback of his own team or any team this year. And he has an ADP in round four. Like that's a pretty high valuation in terms of what the value installation is. And like, obviously some of Lance's value installation, like maybe Lance plays this year and is awful and he's out of a job by the end of the year. And we say the only thing keeping Trey Lance afloat as long as we did is that he wasn't playing. That's possible. Um, you know, it's also possible he's just great. And then he's around one startup pick next year. Uh, and we say, how could anyone have ever compared him to Richardson? But point being like, well, I think we can agree with this. Like Trey Lance has no value insulation left at this point. Like if he stinks it up this year, it is going down. And I think everybody knows that. And yet they're still willing to take the bet pretty damn high. Uh, and I think that that is notable for Anthony Richardson at, at the very least. Yeah, I think that the difference is that if Anthony Richardson misses two years, we're still in the same spot where we don't know if he's any good. That's where we're at with Trey Lance. If Anthony Richardson is really bad for two years, like it's probably over. There's no prior to fall back on. Yeah, but have you ever been on Twitter? Like ever like do you think that people on people on Twitter think Trey Lance is an unknown? Like people on Twitter think Trey Lance is like the worst quarterback I've ever seen in their life. They think he killed their dog. I don't think it's quite that overblown. No, I've seen some Maybe people say, it's not good, but it's like not coming. You don't from... tweet about Trey Lance as much as I do. It's Maybe bad. Um, yeah, I, I think, think the value is unknown with Trey Lance. That's what's keeping him afloat. It's it's that we don't yeah. know. And I mean, if I think... Anthony Richardson is unknown in two years, then yeah, we'll have the same type of floor. But if Anthony Richardson is actually bad, like if Trey Lance had played the last two years and sucked. He wouldn't be drafted at 408 right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, Zach Wilson is still going around four, round five-ish after his first year, right? And he was horrible after his first year. And he's a guy where you thought he was good, but the market at large did not. 
and so I don't. I think he has some value in year one. Right. So that's so to me that's to take a peek. Like I, I think it's I think it's dicey to use comps like this where I'm only doing it on one thing and saying that they're all equal because I, I don't want to do that. I don't think that all these guys were equal, but like we do have, you know, all of the quarterbacks with over 15% uh, market share rushing yards drafted top 15 for 2008. Uh, I want to be very cautious about how I'm using this stat. Um, what we did see is 70% of the sample started for three plus years uh, in the NFL in their rookie contract. About half of them ended up getting a little over half of them ended up getting uh, second contracts, but we did get three years within the rookie contract as a starter out of 70%. We also saw 70% of the sample had a QB one season uh at some point in time this is this, this counts trey lance as a miss and of course it's very possible that he ends up being a hit uh also of note is that of the 11 of these quarterbacks who did hit a qb1 season the only one who hit a qb1 season that didn't do it in the first two years was daniel jones so usually you do find out quite quickly uh 67 have one in their first two years i think that as long as anthony richardson is scoring points that he's going to have some level of sellability and he's going to give you somewhat of a look where maybe you're selling at a loss, but you're not selling at zero. I think there's going to be a chance to watch Anthony Richardson, have him score points on your team and be able to sell. That's a likelihood. I'm not saying that it's a certainty. I think that that's far too high a bar, but I think that it is a likelihood. And I think that when we're trying to view him versus other options, the draft, I think it's fair to say, you know, I'm willing to accept that this pick gets lit on fire in order to chase the ceiling. And once I've made the pick, I will also try my best to sell at some point before it hits zero, if that looks like the way it's going. And, and I think that you can play that in a, in a totally defensible way. I think it's okay to do that. Um, so I, I think you make a rational and defensible case for Anthony Richardson all the way up to the one, two, um, depending on how much it would cost to move him into actual proven elite quarterbacks. Yeah, I think that's where the the downfall. Like, if you're like, if you were to look at it from a, is Anthony Richardson profile going to lose value? Maybe a little bit. He's not going to go to zero. Like, we know he's not going to zero after year one. He right. value like he might go from mid second round startup pick to mid fourth round startup pick. Like that's possible, but he's not going to zero. We're not gonna we're not gonna go from mid second round startup pick to sixteenth round. Like that's not happening. Right. And then it becomes a matter of how do you know when to get off the ride? Yeah, and it's hard. I think that's where the biggest problem is that we don't know when to get off the ride. But the bigger problem is that if we're drafting Anthony Richardson with a mid-second round startup pick, there's so many other options that I'd just rather have. Like, there, there's See, okay, so this is where I completely disagree. Like, but to a point, like – there's a lot of other ways that I would be able to use that value if I can use it in the sense of, like I said, I'd rather use it to get Pitts or Andrews or move up to Kyler Murray or whatever else. But like from a strictly linear ranking of like, I don't know, I can't get any of those quarterbacks. I'm sitting near the back end of a startup at the 209 and I, and I just have to pick a player. I can't trade. I can't do anything. I just have to pick a player. I don't know that there is a lot more options that I want more than Anthony Richardson. Do, do I want to take Jalen Waddle? Not particularly. I want to take Kyle Kenneth Pitts, Walker, right? not particularly. Kyle Pitts. Okay, Kyle Pitts is gone. Mark Andrews is gone. He's take not gone. Spot. Well, in this draft, they are. <laughs> yeah, I, like I just I can't imagine a world in which I can't make any trade that I would like. Well, I, I imagine it. 
Okay, well, I would take Ima- Kyle Pitts if he were available, which he wouldn't. Okay, be. imagine imagine that you have the one two, and you've tried to trade it for Pitts and Andrews. They say no, or the one three because you already answered. You're taking Gibbs at the one two, so you have the one. Yeah, but three, I'm not drafting to- Gibbs at the one two if he's not valued to the one hundred five. Drafting okay. a player at value, right? No, I'm saying okay, but people are in this actual position, Drew. You are at the one hundred two. And you're told, okay, go try to shop it for cover. So you go try to shop it to the people with the elite quarterbacks. They say, no, I'm not moving my elite quarterback. And then you go and try to sell for Pitts and Andrews. They say, no, I'm not moving my elite tight end. And then you go to the 104 and the 105 guy, and they say, yeah, no, I don't want to trade up. And then what are you going to do? Are you going to take Gibbs? Are you going to take Richardson? Are you going to take Young? Who are you going to take? I'm probably going to take Anthony Richardson if he's valued considerably higher than all the other players. Okay. I'm not going to like it. I'm going to do it, and then I'm going to okay. try to sell them for the next two years. Okay. There's there's always – I think people get really caught up in, like, the static aspect of what's available today. Like, yeah, you maybe can't get that Lamar Jackson owner to budge right now. But in six months when he still hasn't signed and we're halfway through the season and he's a holdout, you might be able to get Lamar Jackson. And or you might be able to get some other player because he got hurt, and now there's a discount on that guy. Or some other guy that we thought might be good, like, say – uh uh, I don't know. J- Jameer Gibbs was actually the prince that was promised, and now he's valued up there. So now I'm like, okay, you want to have right. Anthony Richardson? Like, let's let's make this trade. Like, there's there's yeah. always going to be ebbs and flows and other valuations of players, and I'm just going to try to find the right one to get yeah. off to take the off ramp and get off the Anthony okay. Richardson wagon. But if Anthony well, Richardson's just- valued as a mid second round startup, and the other guys, the you know the Stroud and Young and Gibbs and with Levis and whoever else well, is valued, say in the fourth round. I'm not okay, but that's not true of- because Bryce, Bryce Young, like the 209, 102 being 209 has been based on Bryce Young as a presumptive 102 for several months now. So Bryce Young being at the late two is a is a known, and maybe Anthony Richardson joins him in that valuation. You're you're taking Richardson over Young. Uh. I'm probably taking Young in that case if they're valued the same because okay. I think I like Young better than I like Richardson. Okay. All right. But uh, how about the I don't, I don't think that's going to be a real thing. Like I think that Richardson's going to be kind of head and shoulders above everyone else, other okay. than Bijan. But okay. we'll see. We got a lot of time before that happens. All right. Okay. No, I think it's reasonable, and I, I kind of agree with that for the most part. Where, um, yeah, I'm. I I just like as a general rule of thumb. Anyone who's like this elite upside bet, I just don't want to be like, I don't want to position myself to get buried by this type of upside, like from a portfolio perspective. So I'm just going to have some, it's kind of the way I'm looking at it. And like, I'm going to try in each individual league to like trade out of it. And then essentially I'm, I'll allow that like process to passively result in me getting it at the most efficient prices, if that makes sense. Like I'm going to try and trade out of it. And then when I can't, I'll be stuck with it. And then when I'm stuck with it, I'll take him like at his ADP, obviously not ahead of his ADP. And then I just want to kind of be at or slightly above the market on these types of upside bets. Like I don't want to have a position where my portfolio is submarined, but I'm just personally like pretty unwilling to be 0% Anthony Richardson. I, well, if I was playing a portfolio standpoint, I would probably not have 0% because i just take them in one league no matter what, like just to have. But I think one of the things that I, w- I would like to touch on now is the this like perceived known ceiling thing. Like we, we I do this. Don't, don't get me wrong. This isn't a you or, or the community. Like I think we all 
get wrapped up in these like ceiling profiles. We're like, this is the ceiling profile. And it's really hard to predict ceiling. Like, like we nobody builds a model to predict ceiling. It just doesn't, it's not out there really. And it, that's because if you're trying to predict ceiling, you're basing it on a really, really, really small sample set of success cases. You know, like we're we're looking at five guys, six, seven, eight guys, maybe that have this like ceiling that they actually hit. Like they actually hit the ceiling that we're looking for. And then you're trying to, you know, pigeonhole the ceiling on such a small sample that it's really hard to get an accurate portrayal of what actually makes that ceiling. And a lot of times the guys that actually hit those ceilings don't really have the ceiling profiles. Like when we go back through history and we look at the best players and like the Hall of Fame type players, they're not all super athletic and big and highly drafted and uber productive and call it like they don't fit that profile a lot of times. So they probably like the reason that we're making this bet is because we think it hits more, more often, but it's certainly not like a high probability that the players that hit that, sorry, the players that have that profile hit that ceiling. And then on the flip side of it is we have a whole bunch of really good players that were good in college and are kind of big, but not maybe huge and are kind of athletic, but maybe not super athletic and we're drafted high, but not maybe not super high that do still hit that ceiling at a reasonable rate. Like if you look at bulletproof alphas and ignore athleticism altogether for wide receivers, you get like a top five hit rate of like 50%. If you look at bad college quarterbacks who run, it's not that high. It's like 20% or less. Like it's basically Josh Allen. That's the list. And when we're so zoomed in on the probable outcome of ceiling, we're kind of just entirely ignoring the unprobable outcome of ceiling that comes along with the floor of having a good player. And I think that's like something that gets overlooked is that like J uh, Jackson Smith and Jacoba, he is like got a pretty reasonable shot at a high ceiling in my opinion. Like I don't think that he's a floor play as much as a lot of other people think he is. He checks the size boxes. He's not huge. He's not six. He's like, he's not Julio Jones. He's not the guy that we're like pigeonholing. That's the prototype of what we're looking for when it comes to elite ceiling. But when you look at other players that hit elite ceilings, Jackson Smith and Jacob fits right in there. He's prototype size. He's 5'11", 200 pounds. He's got some really good athletic traits and some probably not so good athletic traits. He didn't run, so we don't know. But his agility was like off the charts. He looks like Cooper Cup from that standpoint, which Cooper Cup did not have a high profile uh, or a high probability of hitting the ceiling, and, th and then he did. And like we're just ignoring that when we're saying we're chasing ceiling only. Floor players still have ceilings, and the value that gets tied up in those floor players doesn't necessarily get reflected in the ceiling. Like we still see CeeDee Lamb, for instance, was like a wide receiver one overall with like a 19% target share. Like people were valuing him, but wide receiver one overall with a 19% target share, which was not an indication of a ceiling. And then he hit that ceiling anyways, which is kind of annoying. But the moral of the story is that players that don't have the proper profile don't necessarily like they're not nothing they're not there's not a zero percent outcome that they're going to have an elite ceiling it's just you know i don't know Rant. well i agree with you almost in whole like especially just from the like base case that you made on like it's really hard to predict ceiling i, I totally agree with that um i think we're gonna go out on this because we've been podcasting for a very long time uh some people, wanted to, some people wanted us to talk about some of the deeper players but we'll have a lot of opportunities to do that so 
not a rush this time. Um, only thing I'll push back on is like, uh, look, I'm always on the train of we assign too much value to what we think are predictive of wide receiver ceiling. But I think wide receiver is like a pretty fundamentally different position from a ceiling projection standpoint to quarterback and running back in that like it's literally just a function of what are the plays like this is like the this is like the most basic like zero IQ take. But it's like just legitimately true, which is like, what are the types of plays which you can generate fantasy points? And for wide receiver, it's passing plays. For running back, it's running or passing plays. And for quarterback, it's running or passing plays. But for quarterbacks who don't run, it's just passing plays. And for running backs who don't catch passes, it's just running plays. And like, we can sometimes, although very rarely, be wrong about running backs who don't catch any passes, eventually catching a lot of passes. I would imagine it's even way more likely that we're wrong about quarterbacks who like are slow and don't ever run all of a sudden becoming runners. But with wide receivers, like we think that we could kind of obscurely identify qualities that we think would make a ceiling. Like, are you big and are you fast and are you strong and are you going to play outside and whatever else? But like, there's no actual tangible reason why a slot wide receiver who runs a four, six, can't rack up a 35% target share the same way that, you know, someone built like DK Metcalf can. So I do think it's a little different. Like I, I do think that JSN ceiling chances are underrated as our, I mean, I think we talked about Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson before, and I think their ceiling chances are underrated. Uh, I think that all good wide receivers who lack uh, alpha type Julio Jones-ish traits have underrated ceilings, but I think that it's way more conceivable that like a JSN reaches an elite wide receiver ceiling than that a CJ Stroud reaches an elite quarterback ceiling. I mean, look, Patrick Mahomes does not run a whole lot. He does run a little bit, but if he didn't run, he would still be elite. It's certainly possible for quarterbacks to hit that elite ceiling without running. But like most of the quarterbacks, frankly, who have hit that super elite ceiling over a long time, just played in a different era than we play in today. Like I think that the, we just see more and more rushing quarterbacks and it's just going to be really, really hard for the pass-only quarterbacks to keep up with these guys without having at least like that like kind of middle ground Trevor Lawrence-y level rushing upside. Uh, you know, maybe Bryce Young can have that. I don't think CJ Stroud has that in him, but it's possible. Um, I, I do think that at least with Richardson, it's just easier to see that path. And I think that that does have some legitimate value versus like trying to gauge it at a wide receiver position. Yeah, so like I guess the, the like I guess from a it comes down to like defining the ceiling, right? Like with a quarterback, we're looking at say like a Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow had 118 rushing yards in 2021 and scored 20.5 fantasy points. Is 20.5 fantasy points elite? Not in my opinion. That's like like a fringy quarterback one in this day and age. Ten years ago, that would be super elite. He'd be like the top quarterback in football. Uh, but it's like he basically didn't rush and he still hit 20 points per game. That's within the realm of possibility for CJ Stroud and totally. Bryce Young and, and, and guys that don't run. Like they, they can do that. They can they can have 4,500 right. yards and 30 touchdowns. But are yeah. they ever going to have 25 points per game? Probably not. And I think that's where... Right. Well, Go ahead. I was just going to say it's like it becomes... Yeah, first of all, like that massive, massive, like Lamar Jackson 2019 level ceiling just kind of comes out of the range of outcomes. But also, like, 
Like that's that's so, a whole nother level. Twenty eighteen. Well, whatever. Okay, right. So that that like twenty five points per game comes out of the range of outcomes, but also it's just like the bets start to become aligned because you know, like I just said, like it, it's there's different bars, right? If you want to say how does C.J. Stroud get to twenty points per game, it's like be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and have a good situation. Whereas if it's how does Anthony Richardson get to twenty points per game, it's like be a somewhat okay passer, right? And it's just at that point, it, it, it's just that's the issue. Is like it's not actually about like, can this player have a ceiling or whatever? It's more just, it's not about, it, instead of saying, what are the odds Anthony Richardson is better than CJ Stroud, which is low, it's like, what are the odds that Anthony Richardson is competent versus CJ Stroud is exemplary? And, like, I don't know, I can't say for certain that it's a better chance that Anthony Richardson is competent. It's just, I guess, intuitively, when we need a lot less out of someone, it seems like a, larger chunk of the range of outcomes that we're going to get it versus someone that needs to have more things go their way and be a lot better or at the very least in fantasy, you know, maybe we'll just look like we're going to get it for a few weeks and we can sell off of that. Yeah. And I guess the other thing with Richardson, like he also needs to be a far better rusher in the NFL than he was in college. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's true from like a, just a pure like rushing volume perspective, but which probably I, I don't means know. I think a better passer so that he can keep his team on the field. Yeah, I mean that is that is a legitimate thing, right? We were having that discussion about the Kyler Murray rushing profile versus the Anthony Richardson profile, and I was like, actually, I think they're more similar. And you know, I was using share of team rushing yards. You were looking at raw rushing yards, and it's like, well, Kyler Murray's Oklahoma team just had like way more yards than <laughs> Richardson's Florida team, which like certainly owes to Kyler Murray being a way better quarterback than Anthony Richardson. I don't think he was actually that much better of a rusher. It was just that he led like a way more efficient, way better offense. What what I should say when I say Anthony Richardson needs to be a better rusher, he needs to be a better quarterback to keep his team on the field. Because I think right. that's where the the downfall in the Anthony Richardson rushing profile stems from. Yeah, he didn't have like, he only rushed for like six hundred yards or something in college, which is not nothing. Like that's good. That's really good. But Kyler Murray, like I, I was coming to Lamar Jackson because that's like the go to when we're talking about like elite rushers. Lamar Jackson rushed for like 1,600 yards because Lamar Jackson was a capable quarterback in college. Like he, he was able to move the football and <laughs> keep his team on the field so that they ran more plays so that he got to have more rush attempts. Like really it was more rush attempts uh, that was the difference. Like it wasn't like Anthony right. Richardson is inefficient. He's not out there rushing for four yards a carry. Like he's still rushing right. for, I don't know, six or seven or something. But, yeah, he had the highest rush. He, he had he had more yards per carry by a, a pretty considerable margin over either the running backs on his team. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, like six yards per carry is a pretty high running back. Yeah, yards per carry, I guess as well. But yeah, it's just like he needs to be considerably better than he was in college, comparatively to the other rushing superstars in the NFL. Like he right. would not. Like I don't think that it's like a, a given that he's just going to come in and be and rush for 800 yards. Like I, I don't think that's a given. I don't think he's going to have that opportunity if he can't pass the ball. He might. No, I mean have. people. No, I mean people look at the averages, right? I mean people look at the averages that Fields had last year, and it, and it like I think remember it more rosy. But like there was a long stretch last year where they were having these games where like you know it was like pound it with Montgomery. Pound with Montgomery, punt. Pound with Montgomery, Fields runs for 10 yards. Pound with Montgomery, incomplete, punt. And it was like he was running 
a lot when they had the ball and he was running successfully and he was racking up like high fantasy points per play, but they just didn't have the ball and they couldn't move the ball and they couldn't run any plays. And like, there's going to be games like that with Richardson for sure. I mean, Tyler Huntley was like the same thing where it's like, you think theoretically like Tyler Huntley's going to run a lot and he's going to score a lot of fantasy points. And sometimes you look up in the fourth quarter and it's like Baltimore's ran 32 plays because Tyler Huntley is going three and out every time he gets the ball. So there's, there's totally like that, that risk for, AR that like if he's if he's just entirely incompetent and they can't operate the offense then you know that upside can't be realized production wise that that is the fail that is the failure point yeah so yeah anyways it's uh Richardson is I don't know tough one I don't like the it is price. a tough one <laughs> That's yeah really I mean I, I I tweeted that too I was like you know what like it, honestly like we. It would be nice going forward for the fantasy industry to have Lance and Richardson fail, quite frankly, because it would be nice to have fun upside bets at palatable prices again. Yeah. Well, I remember like 2018, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen were like fringe first round picks in my rookie drafts. Right. Like it, it goes back that far, but it was like Allen went in the second round more than he went in the first round. And in hindsight, it's like, why did we let that happen? But in those right. days, Quarterbacks also weren't valued as highly. Like we didn't have ten no, they weren't all. quarterback startup drafts. We had like no. I, yeah, I, I went through that too in my Richardson post, where I looked at like basically what I would mostly attribute it to is like the consecutive three-year run of Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes is 2018 followed by Lamar Jackson's 2019 followed by Josh Allen's 2020, where you get these like young quarterbacks just breaking fantasy and successive seasons. Jalen Hurts, 2022. Right. Followed by Jalen Hurts and none of whom were ever looked at as locks. Right. Which is like the sort of the biggest thing to it. And I think that really changed how we view fantasy. Hurts was a little bit different in that he was actually drafted highly like in seasonal leagues, but I, I just went through and I looked at like, where the dynasty ADP was for these like unproven first and second year quarterbacks and compared to like Lance and Fields and Hertz last year. And these guys like actually went pretty similar in terms of like QB blank ranking. The difference was that the ADP was so different overall, right? Like you're drafting Lamar, you're drafting Josh Allen. Like I forget off the top of my head, if people read my Substack, then they could see the actual numbers, but it was like Josh Allen QB 14, ADP 73 versus Justin Fields was like QB 16, ADP 28. Right. Yeah. So it's just like that you're, you're, which is just correct, quite frankly. Like that's just, that's a, the market has gotten better and, and it's soaked up a lot of the profit. It's, it's actually wild how much things have changed in such a short amount of time. Like Baker Mayfield, I was looking at with my, like I've been kind of redoing my uh, quarterback process because I wanted to incorporate rushing more. And Baker Mayfield like came out in 2018 and was like one of the best passers in college football history. And we were like, everyone was like, yeah, dude's like really good. We should just love him. We pushed him up to quarterback two overall in his second year or before his second year. And then like looking back, it's like, he actually like has no mobility. Like he's got a little bit of mobility, but like, he's not like a rushing threat. What were we thinking? Right. <laughs> and that's like, yeah. Four or five years ago, like it's crazy that it's changed that much. And like we already knew about like late round, like the late round quarterback book by JJ Zacharyson had been out for a long time right. by that point. We knew about the Konami code. We just didn't apply it as well, I guess. Like I don't, I don't really know what was happening, but we just didn't do a good job. 
Or there maybe there just wasn't yeah. as many. Like, there just wasn't as many Konami. There just wasn't as many. I mean, if you think they're just like we really hadn't like what the Konami code had been. I th- the Konami code has completely evolved. Like what the Konami code had been really prior to like the Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts explosion was it was a cheat code to to start bad quarterbacks and get comparable results to good quarterbacks finishing like QB nine. Right. Like it was, it was like, I'm going to start Tyrod Taylor who I picked up, you know, in the last round of my draft and he's going to score comparably to Matt Ryan, who you drafted as the QB five. Right. That was like the way that it worked. It was like more like the Tyler Huntley situation where it was like, I'm going to arbitrage bottom half QB one production with crappy quarterbacks who have a rushing floor, right? And then I think we completely flipped how we saw it later when it was like, oh, actually, like now some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL also rush. And now like these best passers in the NFL, like that used to be overdrafted when they were QB3 because they were no different than anybody else. Now that's just a low end QB1. And like, the rushing is now like a qualification for entry to the true elite tier. And, oh, and it's yeah. just totally changed. Right. I mean, how many elite rushing quarterbacks were there when we were young? It was like Mike Vick. And that was like it. Pretty much. Vince Young had like a good year or two. Yeah. I mean, Vince Young had a good year, but Vince Young's good year was like 16 fantasy points a game. And that was a QB one finish. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. It's completely wild. Yeah. There was, yeah. There, right. Like Colin Kaepernick was around in like 2015 right. yeah. or so. Kaepernick. Yeah. That was crazy. He was, he was like a kind of out of nowhere. Konami code guy. Uh, not out of nowhere. He's a second round pick, but like he wasn't like yeah. a highly talented um, prospect or anything. But yeah, like there was, there wasn't that many. And then it flipped to like, honestly, like 2017, I guess when Watson and Mahomes came into the league. Yeah. That's when it all kind of flipped. And then we got Josh Allen and then we got Lamar Jackson in 2018. And then in 2019, we got, who do we get in 2019? Kyler Murray. I mean, I remember, I remember I played in a two quarterback, 14 team league auction. And I drafted Deshaun Watson for $1 in his rookie year. Right. And then Trey Lance in like best ball went as a top 12 quarterback and he never even would have started a game if his coaches like had their way. Right. Like, and, and I understand Trey Lance actually went higher, but like Deshaun Watson was like national champion, like constant Heisman candidate. Everybody has seen this guy play 20 college games. He's on national TV every Saturday. And Trey Lance was like, maybe he can play. I don't really know. And like the, the difference in how we treated these guys from like, three years later is absolutely wild where it was just like with Deshaun Watson, it was literally like the conversation was like, well, he's not starting week one. It's Tom Savage. So why even draft him as a top 25 quarterback? He can't be good. He's a rookie. And then with Trey Lance, it was like, he runs and nothing else matters. He's a top 10 quarterback. He might not play. doesn't matter. Like, and, and I agree with that. He'll play eventually. I mean, you know, and I don't even think that's crazy. It's just, it's, it's just, um, it sucks that the market got sharper, you know, and it's, it's too bad. But, you know, I think I think there's something to be said for, like, you know, Mike Leone had a fantastic podcast on, like, drafting unsexy players a week ago. Um, and, like, I think that the market used to be so soft in certain areas that you could just 
profit a ton drafting totally heuristically before, right? Like the point of entry was lower and the payoff was a lot bigger. And so if you just said like every single Russian quarterback, I'm drafting them. Um, I don't care what their prospect profile is. I don't care what their cost is. Anytime a quarterback rushes, I'm drafting them over the market. Any rookie wide receiver, I'm drafting them in all formats. Uh, oh, I don't care. Are they bad profile? Good profile? Whatever. I'm just drafting them all. Like that would have been a very profitable thing to do you know, five, six years ago, because they were all just so undervalued that you didn't even have to pick, right? You just would have been better off just being like, I'm not going to miss out on any of them. I'm just going to draft them all. And then we'll see what happens. And like, I don't necessarily think that those like, types of vets are bad now. It's just that they're like way better calibrated where like you probably actually have to do pick the right ones and there is legitimate opportunity cost being wrong. And, you know, that's what we got to do. We're adjusting. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a changing game. But like with the changes, there's always going to be new, new things like the Anthony Richardson thing jumping the shark. Like people are literally looking at it. Like like I was saying earlier, like this is a situation where we've never had this before. We've never had a player with fringe round one startup pricing that legitimately was not good at throwing the football in college. Like we we've just never had that. So we don't really know what's going to happen because this is unprecedented. It's wild. Jump the shark. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap it. We did two hours. Uh, make sure to join us next time. I know Drew's very busy in tax season. I'm going to have term papers and exams creeping up somewhat soon. But uh, we'll try to come on next week or at the very least in two weeks. And we'll get into more of this rookie class. We really only talked about a few guys. We really talked about the guys at the top. Um, I'm excited to dive in to some of these guys more in the middle towards the back. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more. Maybe generally rookie draft strategy, all things like that. Um, this is a fun time to play Dynasty. Make sure you're listening to Sweat and Bullets. Drew, any last words? Or where can people find you? That's what I should ask. Oh, well, if you're listening to the podcast, you should probably be joining the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash bulletproofff, where we do all the rankings and we have the Discord. And Jacob and I argue almost daily, if not daily, hourly, if not hourly, minutely about various things such as his bad takes on Anthony Richardson and my great takes on Anthony Richardson and uh, so on and so forth. So join us on the Patreon and then, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's all we got. Uh, you can find Where, me What there. do people find you? Don't you have a new thing? We never did yeah, a new thing for you. What are we talking about the new thing? Yeah, well, I've mentioned it like 10 times. but uh, well, not, yeah, like, not like this is the thing, though. You mentioned it like okay. passing. Like, you can oh, yeah, find me on Twitter at Jacob Sanderson. You can find me in the Bulletproof Discord. And then most excitingly, you can find... Thinking most excited? Well, back it up. You can't be the most excited about that when you're in the Patreon. Well, it's most Patreon. excited for me. Okay, fair. <laughs> I got a channel. Here, I got my own thing. My, All right. Mine's directly in my bank account. I don't have to wait for you to send it to me on PayPal. All right. Let's uh, hear it. Let's hear the sub. Yeah, you can find Thinking About Thinking. My sub stack, where I talk all things dynasty. If you're listening to this, you're probably a Bulletproof patron, which means you probably read my thoughts and threads often, which means you probably know what to expect in my writing. Um, but yeah, I'm writing a dynasty strategy column. I, it won't be entirely dynasty. I'll try to mix in some, some stuff on some best ball tournaments and stuff as we go into that season. But uh, right now, I'm starting it out talking about general market principles of dynasty. Uh, my first post was called what you don't know can hurt you or help you uh, talked all about uncertainty and humility and really a lot of these conversations we just had in the last 20 minutes, like how to, how to blend these 
market forces that either push you into more aggressive stances or conservative stances. Um, I also wrote like 2,500 words just about Anthony Richardson and about, uh, you know, the way to price ceiling bets at quarterback and how I potentially handle him. Uh, and there's going to be a lot more coming. I'm going to keep writing more posts. Uh, they'll land directly in your email if you sign up. If you go to my Twitter, you'll see the pinned tweet. It's from the Substack, and you can subscribe. Uh, it is $7.99 per month or $49.99 annually, so like almost half off if you subscribe annually. Uh, you can also become a free subscriber. Uh, you will get occasional free posts. The Anthony Richardson post is free, for example. Uh, and you will at least be able to read the first few paragraphs of all the paid posts, and then you can decide if you like it enough to pay for it. Uh, so hope uh, hope to see people sub, and that'd be really exciting. It's a fun little journey we're, we're starting here. Awkward silence. Was right. I, to say something? <laughs> I don't know. I thought you were going to say like goodbye, everybody, or something like that. Well, so goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, it was great. You should really sign up for Jacob's uh, Substack. It's going to be yeah. slick, and probably when you many many uh, dollars in fantasy football. So until next week, bye. Next week. See you later. <laughs>